Hey everybody, and welcome to an all-new edition of the Elite Beat, your source for all the AEW news, previews, and reviews. My name is Andy. Sitting not across the table from me, but upstairs trying to close out this damn quarter is Jenny. And 111 miles to our southwest is Megan. Hello. But, back by popular demand, 151 miles to our southeast is Jason. Hey. Hey, Jason. What's up? Are you feeling elite this week? Sure. I was feeling less elite, like, yesterday morning, but I'm feeling a lot more elite now. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I think a lot of people are. Um, yeah. That's, yeah, that's fair to say, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Jason went away. Sorry. That's okay. I clicked the wrong button. So uh, before we do any wrestling stuff, we have to do what we do every week, which is the Elite Beat Pop of the Week. Uh, this week, it is a crack. Um, I am drinking Rheingeist Cheetah from uh, Megan's homeland of Cincinnati. And let's see. All right. That was a good crack. Jason, what are you drinking? I have a Coke Zero. Pre-cracked. And Megan? Uh, I'm drinking Boda Box Cabernet Sauvignon. That is a boxed red wine. And it's actually, I think, fairly good for, you know, being a boxed wine. How much do you get in a box of wine? You get four. Let me verify that before I lie to you. Uh, Yeah, four That's bottles. Big. It's three liters. Yeah, this is the Boda box. Um, How big that is, Jason. <laughs> she's drinking straight out of the box in case anyone can wants to know. Like, it's, it's like shaped like an Xbox Series X. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they, should, they should make their own wine. Yeah. It well, it holds four bottles of wine, so three liters, and it uh, keeps it fresh for thirty days after opening. So. I obviously don't let it sit for 30 days, but it oh. does help me temper how much I drink per night because it's does got it? this. Uh, I want to say yes, mostly because I have no data to confirm or deny that either way. I can't it's, see how much is being drank, so I feel fine. Does it, like, does it stop you after each bottle's worth and say like, okay, now you're on to your second bottle of the night? No, it's not like high-tech digital. It's just okay. a box with a bag of wine in it. So. It, it it should have, like, one of those measuring things on the side. Like, you can see it get lower and lower and lower. Yeah, I like a dehumidifier in reverse. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I suspect part of the reason why it's in a box is so you can't do that and you don't feel bad about yourself, which I appreciate. Thank you, Boda Box, for not shaming me the way these two are doing right now. Um, but, yeah, I can usually stretch this baby out. It's a good economical way to have weekly wine drinking. That's all I'm saying. How much is it? $19. Oh, yeah. this podcast is brought to you by wine. Hell yes, it should be. Often is. Um, okay, Boda Box, $19. That's, I'm actually intrigued by the price point, believe it or not. I honestly, if you're talking about like a house wine, this is like very good quality for what you get. The pricing, I think box wine gets a bad rap, but it's uh, just, you know... The more you know, PSA, it's better for the environment, uses less uh, glass because it's less, bo no bottles. And so, yeah, it's environmentally sound. You get a lot of wine, stays fresh. Sustainable wine. Sustainable wine. <laughs> it's organic. No, don't. I don't know if that's true or not. Um, but the box is recyclable, so that's good. <laughs> I have a question. Sure. 
Did you get it off the internet? No, this one I got at Kroger because they have them. So I added to my grocery list. Because it sounds like a subscription box. Because it's uh, a box. My subscription line, for everyone out there who's curious, comes from wink.com. That's W-I-N-C dot com. We do not have a sponsorship with them. I hope to one day maybe <laughs> remedy that. But You could like try to secret into it existence. I, I'm willing it now. I'm putting it out into the universe. Um, or man right back. Yeah. <laughs> Don't compare it right back. Mm. Uh, but yeah, wink.com if you want a monthly wine delivery straight to your door in these times of COVID. I think it's a very convenient, very good thing. But uh, boxed wine is also very cheap and affordable. So it's better than Franzia. Okay, well, duly noted. Yeah. Guys, let's briefly talk Trump. Um, um okay. I think he's uh I think he's no good, very bad, don't do it. And uh I'd like him to go away. Jason. I had a really funny thing to say and now I done forgot what it was. You done forgot what it was? Yeah. <laughs> Come PhD, back to me. Back to me. Come back PhD, to me. PhD candidate Jason Spencer done no, forgot it's, what it was. It's an EDD. It's, it's different. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> I uh, I agree with you. Your simple dump Trump sentiment is what I'm feeling. Although Ohio really let us down this election. Badly done, Ohio. Yeah, rough stuff. But anyway, let's talk about some happy stuff. And uh, we are going to skip being the elite this week because I know Jason didn't watch it. And, uh, no. Uh, didn't can I just it. can I just shout out though yeah, one, one segment on it? Yeah. And that is just that is the one with John Silver and Alex Reynolds attempting to recruit Darby Allen. <laughs> um, my man Darbs, can I call you Darbs? No. My favorite segment of the day, and um, also because their faces were painted and they said they had just come from a good Charlotte concert, which True. I don't even think that's a band anymore. But I love that's it so an much. old reference at this point, isn't it? Isn't one of them dead? Oh, I don't think so i think one of them's married to like somebody hillary duff maybe yes that's the benji madden band right yes okay that i think was... i was mixing up with chester bennington yes that's, that's lincoln park and yes that's my is... band he <laughs> starts with dead. one it does um, okay. the point is like like Jason said, good Charlotte. Uh, pretty sure the last I heard from them was when I was in high school, which was many, many years ago. The I only, don't think Darby Allen is attending. Uh, the only song I even like of theirs came out when I was a freshman in college. So that was 2005. Okay. Yeah, you're younger than me, so that tracks. Yep. Okay, they, they released an album in September of 2018. <gasps> Why? Did anyone buy it? Um, it peaked at 164th in the U.S. So no. No. <laughs> Did well in Australia, number 24. Are they from Australia? No, I think they're nope. Uh, they're, they're U.S. boys. All right. American is apple pie. Well, anyway, um, you know, uh, wrestling tie-in to Good Charlotte, the way I was introduced to the wrestler Mystico was by a uh, music video um, backed by a good Charlotte song. So I watched that music video a lot because it was cool to see Mystico do all of his high spots. So I like, I kind of came to like that good, that one good Charlotte song because I just heard it over and over again. What song was it? 
I don't know the name of it because that wasn't like it wasn't like In Mystico featuring this song title. It was just yeah. like that song played over it. But it, I I want to say it was called Young and Hopeless. That sounds like a good Charlotte song. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> just put that in like a good Charlotte uh, song generator. And, uh... <laughs> anyway, I wonder if that video still exists. I'm going to have to look that up later. I'd, I'd love to watch that like 2006 Mystico video again. <laughs> anyway, so um, we're going to talk news first because um, I don't know. I feel like news ends up getting the short shrift because we're tired by the time we get to it. So, so I'm thinking, what do you think, Megan, about moving news like forward in the show? I think that's fine because, you know, I've got a whole freaking rundown to get through and I think we can be tired by the end of that. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. 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 That's a good Charlotte. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to talk to you guys about a tweet um, that oh, I saw. Oh, tweets. Yeah. Uh, I saw this tweet on November 2nd. And it was from an account called AEW Games. <laughs> and what? it said, subscribe and follow hashtag AEW Games on social media. And to join us Tuesday, November 10th at 6, 5 Central. And it just says AEW Games 1.0 special event. So, Jason. Yes. If you had to guess, what, like, what is this announcement? AEW Monopoly. Mm. <laughs> okay. Who are your tokens? Um, the Young Bucks. They're going to be doing their little poses, right? Okay. Uh, Kenny Omega. Um, uh, Hangman Page with a scotch. Uh, Jericho. Oh, just like a little scotch glass as no, one of them. No, they're little figurines, but he's holding a scotch. Mm-hmm. Um and I then, think Megan's right. The spirit of Monopoly is more that you'd have like totems that like like you'd have like a a boot for the young bucks to indicate a super kick party or just a a bottle of scotch. Okay, well you're or all that wrong. stupid tattoo, anyway. that <laughs> stupid neck tattoo for Cody. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so yeah, they're gonna have a Monopoly game and it's gonna uh-huh. sell millions. That's my prediction. I would I would definitely buy an AEW Monopoly game. And I see, like, uh, from your background, that you are coming to us live from Daly's Place. Yes. It it doesn't look like they have quite started the setup for full gear, but... Um... No, they're still in teardown phase right now. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're on break because it's evening. <laughs> Megan, do you have any thoughts about the, uh, the announcement or what it could be? I watched the video that was on the tweet that you sent me. And... Epilepsy-inducing. <laughs> yeah, and it didn't really say much... I, my first instinct is, is this when they announce a video game that they've been just teasing and teasing repeatedly? Okay, so here's what I think. So that a couple of months ago, they, um, Jason, you'll remember this. I don't think we talked, I don't think I talked to you about this, Megan, but they registered a couple of trademarks and one of them, I don't even remember what it was now, but it made it sound like they were making some kind of, uh, like GM mode game. Do you remember that, Jason? Yeah. Like AEW General Manager or something like that? I think we even thought maybe it would be a mobile thing. I didn't even register that memory when the announcement came out on Monday. Yeah. So here's what I think. I think it would be disappointing if that is the announcement. (laughs) (laughs) But here's what I think. I think they're going to announce a console game for uh, 2021. And at the end of the video, 
they'll do a classic Apple slash Nintendo. Oh, just one more thing. Download AEW Manager now for iPhone or iOS and Android. And I think the, the game, the, the booking game is going to drop that day and you'll be able to download it immediately. Hmm. I like yours better than my fake idea. <laughs> Just the I, Monopoly. <laughs> I think if you do Monopoly, you've got to get like, what is it, Hasbro? Who yeah. owns Monopoly? You Hasbro. have to get. I think it's okay. Ha- Where's it Parker have- Brothers? I think it's ha- Well, I think Hasbro owns Parker Brothers at this point. Okay. You got to get buy-in from those people, and I'm not saying it's beyond the Young Bucks' reach, but that is like they make Star Wars monopolies. You know that it's sure. But have you seen some of the dumb monopolies they have? Like, they're running out of ideas. Okay. Admittedly, I don't, I haven't, like, been in the Monopoly game recently. Last last year, Neil Monopolied. It just made fun of people in our age group. Great. That's rough, because it's probably really depressing to play that game. Like, it said, don't worry about buying property. You can't afford it. So, those trademarks were All Elite Wrestling um, colon elite general manager and elite GM. So, okay. so I think they're definitely making that game, but whether or not they announce it on Tuesday, who knows, but I'm going to, I'm going to take a shot in the dark and say that it's like, yo, download this now. And it'll okay. be like fr- free to play with lots of, uh, um, you know, the trappings that go along with that loot boxes. Yeah. So if, if there is a two player mode, We've got to figure out how to screencast our phones and then do a podcast video version because I want to play against you guys. Okay, well, if you if if there is, and if you can figure out how to do that, I'm willing to do it. Okay. But you're in charge of the technical aspects of that. Okay. Yeah, this Remember- is the only way that I'll try it because, honestly, I played my fair share of WWE Supercard. I was and about I, to say. I enjoyed that because... <laughs> Realistically, they just animated like dice rolls, <laughs> basically, no, and that was even. fine. It was just like it was just like doing math. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're this right. Higher than this number, so I yeah. win. Look, Occasion- occasionally you'd have to like subtract something, but only occasionally. Yeah, there were like buffs and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can handle that because it's mindless, and also I just liked watching the cards totter out to the ring and then fight each other. Uh, but I, <laughs> my worst, like, ability is trying to fantasy book or, like, book anything. So I just don't feel like a GM game is going to be my cup of tea, personally. Maybe, maybe it would help you, like, hone that area of your uh, fandom. What if, Megan, what if you and I are a team? So I know I'm going to be terrible, too. I just love doing it. You're, even if you're terrible, I feel like you approach it with a lot more ideas and enthusiasm. Every <laughs> time I'm asked to fantasy book anything by you two, it's like... I don't know. I get really, my mind goes blank. What if it turns out they were friends all along? Yeah, that's like kind of my jam. Federation. Yeah, I'm just like, can they hug? I don't know. What if they? Do you guys remember how big of a battery suck Supercard was? Yeah, it destroyed my (laughs) iPhone, and I kept playing it. I think I I only played it on my iPad for that reason. The like the two weeks that I was like really deep into SuperCard were uh I, they were very rewarding. We just keep getting those cards. Yeah, I mean, at the core of it, I think the draw was look, you get to collect all these digital pictures that if I guess if you really wanted, you could just go to the internet and download. But instead, I'm like, but they go to the ring and they fight. Yeah, 
Yeah. So, and, I, and, and when you would like get a rare, it was very exciting. We used to text each other about that. Oh, yes. That's how deep <laughs> in it we yeah. all were. For like four, like two weeks. And I, I still think. I got out of it fast. I'm not sure I even made the first week. Okay. I still think one of the main like issues with that game was that we couldn't trade cards because. Oh, yeah. We would talk about the cool like rares we got, but then it's like you can't even do anything with it except use it to f- play against randos. And you couldn't play against your friends. See, now I'm just tearing down WWE Supercard, and that's not really what this is about. But I hope they're, the uh, AEW GM game that eventually comes out is better. <laughs> that's all I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, I, I who knows if it will be, but uh, I, I hope I'm right. I hope that there is a something for us to play on Tuesday. Or at the very at the very least, we get to see some like early footage from the console game or something. Now, I, how how far along do you think their console game is? Probably not that far, but I mean they've been talking about it for a long time. But I don't. I mean I have no idea. It's, who knows? A studio could have been working on it for the past year, for all I know. But okay, here's my guess. Okay, basically development cycles. They released their game in October. And they usually make the announcement around WrestleMania, and they use all summer, and then SummerSlam is their last, like, kickoff, big reveal kind of thing of all the last-minute stuff. So it's probably, let's see, April to October. How many months is that? Six. May, June, July. Six. So if they announce it tomorrow, realistically, it could come out by double or nothing. Yeah, maybe. Um, that'd be a good time to do it. Because, uh, yeah, because then you, you, you kind of hit the hit like the crest of summer. Yeah. And you're not doing the same time WWE's game's coming out. Right, yeah. Which I bet they're going to be so mad because here they're coming off this, like, terrible game. And now everyone's expecting them to, you know, since so they took a year off to come out with a killer game next time. And you know they won't. But, like, <laughs> it's... WWE is in too much of like a rut. They just they have a formula for their game and they just do it and they never fix it. And it's but, just but they you know made the big spectacle about not putting a game out this year in the same category of game they normally do, and then now their competitors coming out with a game. It's like oh now we really have to try really hard. <laughs> yeah. Boo-hoo. Which side note? If you listen to the Scorpio Sky interview with uh, Colt, he talked about doing motion capture capture for video games. So I guess he's just in the WWE games as like multiple people. <laughs> yeah, he and Colt both, right? Yeah. yeah. Which I think I is think, so funny. I think Colt said he was often a double for uh, Paul Bearer. Yeah, he said he made a really good Paul Bearer. Yeah. I don't know why Colt's tall. <laughs> like he probably just had like the the motions down, like the the body language, you know. Yeah, I guess that's true. Um, it's just funny to me that the WWE superstars can't be bothered to be in their own game. They're too busy wrestling six days a week. I guess that's true. Uh, yeah, so maybe that'll change now that they're not. Maybe everybody will do their own mocap. <laughs> um, in other news, uh, yesterday, Scorpio Sky uh, announced that he was off Dynamite. Uh, where he was supposed to wrestle Ty Dillinger. No, what's his name? Sean Spears. Sean Spears, thank you. <laughs> I had the right person. Ten. The wrong person. Ten. Yeah. Um, he was apparently exposed to someone with COVID over the past two weeks. 
Um, he took a test and it came back negative, but AEW decided to play it safe and to cancel the match and just let quarantine instead. So that's why the um, the unadvertised Young Bucks versus Private Party match uh, took place instead. Uh, okay. Yeah. Um, did you when you watched Dynamite? Did you even have any memory that that match was supposed to take place? Did not. Not at all. <laughs> All right, cool. Could have been on dark. We and don't know. I thought there they were supposed to be a Young Bucks match. So I was like, I somehow knew that. Maybe it's because I heard the preview before I watched or something. Like Maybe. the day of. That's possible. I, I also had the same feeling. But I, I don't know. I don't pay attention to those cards, as we all know. Only super cards. Only WWE super cards. So um, AEW president Tony Khan did an interview over at PW Insider with Mike Johnson uh, to promote Full Gear, and they talked about a few things. So um, they have signed a tag team that has been competing on Dark that I have not yet seen, because as as you know, uh, Megan, and I expressed this to Jason last night, actually, I've given up on Dark because there's too many matches. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, so a new team of uh, Max Caster and Anthony Bowens have signed, and they will be teaming together as the Acclaimed. Okay. And, uh, Khan also said that they are hopeful of uh, signing Layla Hirsch to a uh, to a long time contract, a long term contract. I support that. I think I saw that tag team's all elite graphic. I didn't know yeah. who they were. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I think it's like a Gun Club situation, except you know who Gun Club is, like from context beforehand. But it's just like. They'll they'll end up on dynamite in a year and they'll have like a fifteen and one record or something of like whoa, you <laughs> claimed. I'll be like they mean something. Yeah, uh, and he was asked about um, medical protocol uh, relating to the Alex Reynolds injury last week, um, and he said that they have added another independent neurologist to the staff and they've added another independent doctor at all the shows. Um, in addition to their current medical staff. And they've added a two-way feature where the referees can talk back to us with their injuries so that the referee... Uh, so so not all the communication is going one way. So seems like, you know, something bad happened and they're like, okay, let's let's address this and try to make it not so bad in the future. How would you like to be a neurologist job hunting and come across like AEW on Indeed... If it's, if, it's me, if it's me and I'm the neurologist, I'm very excited. But I mean, like, that'd be like, whoa, I didn't even consider that profession. <laughs> Never thought about wrestling neurology. Yeah. Speaking of wrestling neurology, um, uh, famous concussion victim is uh, going to be backstage at Full Gear. And he was last there, oh gosh, I think about a year ago for another of the pay-per-views, just to kind of talk to all the talent about concussion protocols and you know head trauma in general so you know he has a sports legacy institute thing that he's always going around doing stuff don't take this the wrong way it has nothing to do with you but just like i don't don't think i'm a bad person but i feel like chris nowinski is bad luck (laughs) like he brings the information but also maybe by doing that alerts people to how dangerous what they're doing is yeah yeah like something bad might happen because then someone's trying to be too safe or something. I don't know. Just I feel like every time I hear him in a story, something bad happens soon thereafter. 
Uh, Mike Johnson also asked Tony Khan about the increasing length of AEW Dark. <laughs> Thank and, God somebody alerted him to this. Yeah. And uh, and Johnson had like an idea of splitting it into two programs, which I, I think is like a bad idea. It's just like, why don't you just make the one program shorter? But mm-hmm. uh, Khan said if that were to happen, it would just be as a streaming option because I think people... No matter how many times they say this, people keep thinking that the upcoming second Warner Media show is just going to be like some kind of interpretation of Dark, and they keep saying no, that's not the plan. So like, but like three months later, like, so that second show that's just going to be like Dark on TNT, right? And it's like no, no, it's not. But, I think uh, I've heard Cody say it three different times. I think he said it today. I think he had a. Uh, it, that, yeah. that was the third time I'd heard him say it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I read he said it. I didn't hear the audio. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, okay, so that's kind of the, the main news bits. I've got a couple more things, but they kind of better fit into the flow of Dynamite. So, uh, Megan, if you would like to uh, get going on that, we can talk about Dynamite. Heck yeah, let's get into it. Um, we start backstage with Dasha hanging out with Jericho, Hager, and Santana. And she's... You know, just talking to them because of Jericho being on commentary for the evening. Chris says he wants to shout out Jake Hager for winning his latest fight and remaining undefeated in MMA. He looked like he'd been in a fight. He he did. <laughs> he had battle wounds. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Jericho is celebrating Hager when MJF saunters over. And he says he wants to address the fact that there was tension between the two of them, he and Jericho, last week. And it bothered him. Um, so because of that, he's really glad that Jericho's going to have a front row seat on commentary to watch his match that's coming up next. So that he can show Jericho just how much he actually does belong in the inner circle. And Jericho's like, yeah, that's cool. But also, I've learned that you don't really have the killer instinct necessary to be part of the inner circle. And he calls him soft. So this enrages MJF, and he storms away. Do you think so, he called him S-A-W-F-T? Uh, if those two weren't canceled, sure. <laughs> <laughs> so um, it didn't occur to me until Megan was reviewing it that it seems really bizarre to me to interview the person who's getting ready to walk out and do commentary and could therefore say whatever he wanted. Um, I think that's just like... The self-aggrandizement of Jericho, though, you know? I guess. But maybe it should have been that he was interviewing MJF and and Jericho interrupted him on his way out. And that would have flowed better. Maybe. Yeah, I guess you could do that, too. But then you can't shout out Hager's MMA wins. They're staying next to him like he's escorting him. He could. I kind of thought we'd get footage, but maybe, like, winning a split decision where you didn't really look that good doesn't make for a lot of good highlights. No. (laughs) No. No. Let's let this audience pretend he like be in the death or something. Yeah, they didn't yeah. really go into much detail. It's just like, look at how tough he looks, and also he has scars and stuff, and two black eyes. Yeah, which I feel like says a lot about his opponent. I don't know about him. That they wouldn't even name drop. They're like, ah, whoever it is, doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I think I think Excalibur said another name. And as he was moving on from talking about the fight and Jericho just thought that that was the name of Jake Hager's opponent, but it was like somebody completely unrelated. <laughs> I forget what he said, but I remember thinking like, that's not a fighter. <laughs> Jericho the, don't know. 
Jericho's not very Jericho's not very political, you guys. I don't know if you knew that. Mm. <laughs> oh. Did you all see CM Punk's tweet to Jericho? It was SpongeBob like yeah. derp thing, right? Yeah. yeah. I'm not very political. <laughs> oh. Jericho. Bronson Reed's tweet was good too. What'd he I, say? I believe it said Y2 jump to conclusions. <laughs> <laughs> Because, like, cause so Jericho's, because I'm, I'm sure you didn't see it, Megan, because you're not on the devil social media. But nope. um, uh, it was basically like, I'm not very political, says the guy who made three donations to the Trump campaign in the last, like, two months. Um, but why why is it taking so long to decide this election? Is this ever, like, has this ever happened? And then Lance Storm, who's, like, you know, one of his best friends for 30 years, responds, I mean... We were working in the U.S. during the 2000 election. I cut promos about it in WCW, how it took a month. (laughs) (laughs) Get them, Lance. Also, like, that's a thing where if you're going to post a question on social media, I think maybe give it a quick Google so that you don't get dragged immediately. (laughs) You know, like, it's something, it's information you could easily find with any modicum of effort. So if you're going to tweet about it, (sighs) Do the research or you're asking for it. That's all. Yeah. I just want to know how drunk a co he was. See, I was thinking about that, but it was like, it was early afternoon on a day when he had to work. So I'm, I'm guessing he wasn't. I think he's just a dumbass. <laughs> I had so much. I don't know why I was surprised that he donated to the Trump campaign. But when he had Andrew Yang on, I was like, oh, look at this. This is good. This guy's progressive. Like, I know he had the Trump kid on. But maybe he changed his mind in the interim, and it was just, it's very disappointing. I don't know. Do you, do you remember when he was telling Nyla Rose that when he had Trump on, Trump Jr. on Trump, he said something um, that could be construed as transphobic, so Chris edited it out of the podcast? Yeah. But he said it, like, on the podcast with Nyla Rose, where so it's like, okay, well, so we know that your past guest said something transphobic because also, you just told us. The Trump Jr. being transphobic is, like, the least surprising amount, like, trivia I've ever heard. Wow, okay. Plus, why would you say that to somebody? Like, you know, I protected you because I took, I made this bad man not look as bad publicly. <laughs> also, don't edit it out. Everyone should know what a dick he is. <laughs> I That's what I mean. Like, he acted like he was protecting her, but in reality, he was protecting the other side from looking bad. Yeah. I think this just comes back to, it harkens back to what me and Jenny said at the very beginning of this podcast. Like, we like Jericho the performer, but hearing Jericho the man talk about himself is infuriating. Because he he clearly has a big ego, and it's just like, great, you've done a lot of things, but I don't want to hear you talk about it. You know what I don't... Is that yeah. I didn't I don't think he used to be this way, and Andy might be able to correct me. I don't yeah. think he, I was just about to say the same thing, Jason. I think that like I think that the process of writing his first two autobiographies like unleashed something in him. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's almost like he's becoming WCW Hulk Hogan in terms of like, look how famous I am, and like I know people, and I'm so successful without wrestling, but like I'm a gift to everyone. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's got like a real like uh like big fish in a little pond kind of like yeah, you're right, like WCW Hogan, like before like right before like WCW really took off when all they really had was Hogan. Yeah. 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 But anyway, yeah. So I mean I still like I think he's a great performer, but I, you know, 
it's just it's one of those things. If you told me that I'd be like all about Kevin Nash's uh, political views and just like kind of side eyeing Y two J, I don't like, <laughs> I don't know what I would have told you. Kevin Nash is our woke hero. He yeah. and Batista, they yeah. should hang out. I want to hear Nash, Batista, and woke Shawn Michaels like all just have a conversation together. Yeah. Like, get them on table for three for me. And, like, Adam Page should just, like, be there sitting under their learning tree of, like, progressive politics. Sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, his tweets are fabulous. The ones you've shared with me, anyway. <laughs> All right, um, I'm sorry. I derailed us. No, I mean, the point of that was that, like Jason said, why is Jericho being interviewed about being on commentary five seconds later? Because Jericho's Jericho. And... It makes sense. He's a bit of a diva. See, this is why Ladinner Debonair seems like something that could totally happen to me. Yeah. <laughs> I guess it does inch closer to reality with each yeah. viewing. Uh, <laughs> well, we'll see when that happens. Um, you, got a, you got a fish hook in your eyebrow there, Jason? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my people's eyebrow. Mm-hmm. Needs a little help. Well, we'll move on. So that you can can let it rest. Uh, <laughs> we'll go to the first match of the night, which is MJF teaming up with his boy Ward, Wardlow, facing off against Ortiz and Sammy Guevara. The first time these two have tag teamed together, and it's because of their shared hatred for MJF and not wanting him in the inner circle. So they're really just fighting because they're mad. And unfortunately, they're not mad enough because MJF and Wardlow get the win. MJF gets to have Ortiz tap out to the salt of the earth armbar, which is I, that's tough for Ortiz. But I, you know, I guess I didn't expect Ortiz and Sammy to get the win. It just just sucks for him. I just want to say that I'm here for babyface Sammy Guevara, and Matt Hardy's a bad man. Okay. You know, okay, so so what Jason is alluding to is that at the end of the match, the reason that uh, poor Ortiz was left all on his own to tap out to uh, the salt of the earth is because outside the ring, Sammy got into it with Serpentico, of all people, and Serpentico unmasked, and it was, in fact, Matt Hardy who threw a chair at Sammy Guevara. Now, here's what I love about this. It pays off the Serpentico... Like, the, the thing where Sammy stole Serpentico's gear to make his comeback a few months ago. I like shit like that. I'm starting to think they only have one set of masks, and they're all Serpentico masks. <laughs> they know better than to ask Penta or Phoenix to participate in any of that. <laughs> they're like, we're too high high level for that. <laughs> no, they, they, give, they only give their mask to, to Kenny Omega's, you know, chicks. That's right, yeah. Mm. Keiko and the white girl. <laughs> yep very 2020 of you andy yeah um i really liked this match i think i'm i'm with jason i think that uh sammy is going to be a big damn baby face and he even like kind of had that energy in this match where he was like he was at his like best out of control sammy guevara self with all of his flippy doos and stuff and you can see that it really works when he's able to even just by kind of like default play babyface because he's up against another heel. Yeah. Yeah. He almost got the pin on MJF with the, they called it the GTH, which was the GTS, but I guess this is go to hell instead of go to sleep. 
Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I thought that was like a big moment for him because I'm like, they're not going to let him beat MJF, but it looked good. My favorite spot was when he did the corkscrew Tope Suicida. And like, I, he looked so out of control and then landed it perfectly. I was like, how did you do that and not kill anybody? He's yeah. really awesome. That was very good. And you know, um, I'm sorry. I, I just, before, so on Dark, I, I only know this because uh, good pal Jeff Jacobs texted this to me. Um, uh, Luchasaurus on a match on Dark did a, he, he did he did a move that was a choke slam, and the guy, the guy like taking the choke slam, he went up and like did a full flip in midair, and then like, Luchasaurus hit him with a go to sleep on the way down. So it was like a choke slam lift. The guy flipped, and then he hit him. He like kneed him in the face. It looked awesome. Oh wow! <laughs> how how much do you have to practice that before you do it? I don't know, but like this guy needs to like. They need to like run this back match back as a squash on uh, on on dynamite though. <laughs> yeah, just like pretend it wasn't on dark. Just do it again. Like just replay it. Yeah, I'm gonna send it to you guys. I'm gonna send the link to you guys so you can so you can see it. Um, yeah. So yeah, this match was good. I was I was happy with it. Um, I I don't know what it really means for the pay per view. I don't know if you can infer anything from from this particular result, but. Oh, I, I think we'll I think MJF had to win. He's the only one in a pay per view match. Well, I guess Sammy, Sammy. is yeah. Sammy is, but like he got he had his bit with Matt Hardy in this match. So yeah, that was one thing that they did on this show that I was happy with. They they really put an effort I felt like into making every match on the pay per view like pop a little more. But you're starting with a low bar for some of those matches like Sheeta and Nyla Rose, but at least they tried. <laughs> yeah. I Did you notice during this one that Wardog got some love at the beginning? There were, like, when MJF started in the ring and then immediately tagged out, um, people were chanting, let's go Wardlow. And then when Wardlow tagged out, people started chanting, we want Wardlow. So, I mean, look at him. He's a beautiful, well, beefy boy. It's true. <laughs> had good matches with like very good athleticism, and they already teased the breakup like three times on television. So people are like just jumping the gun on the face turn, I guess. Oh, I was happy for him. I'm like, you're getting some love, Wardlow, big beef like, boy. It's it's kind of like when the NXT audience like doesn't care who's supposed to be a heel or a face, and they start chanting for whoever they want, like. Mm-hmm. Technically, he's still a dastardly heel, and they're chaining for him, so. That's true. Uh, Jericho did say on commentary, if there's a musclehead GQ, he should be in it. (laughs) He did say that. I said out out loud that... I said out out loud that, like, there should be a musclehead GQ, because no, Jason, that is not muscle and fitness, because they don't wear clothes in that magazine. Oh, I'm sorry. I mean, if there was a musclehead GQ, they wouldn't wear clothes there. No, Maybe just pants. Would. They'd just be like bursting at the seams. It'd be like The Rock <laughs> on every page. Yeah, It'd be like yeah. The Rock in Fast and the Furious. Daddy's got to go to work. And then his... <laughs> Flex cast. out of his cast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, what was I going to say? I was going to say something. Uh, did you guys see that, that thing I sent you? Yes. I didn't, I didn't look yet. Sorry. Doesn't that look awesome? It's crazy. Yeah. Perfect. Choke slam into a go to sleep. Well, 
It's so fluid. Luchasaurus is a big boy. This Danny Limelight fellow does a good uh, backflip in midair. Oh, my God. He got a heck of a wedgie doing it, too. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Can you hear it playing? Sorry. Yeah, that's fine. Yes. It looks great. Yeah, that's very good. Okay, guys. Well, this match was fun. After the match, um, MJF was mad. And so when he was walking away, he took the time to turn and just run full force at Chris Jericho and tackle him at the commentary table, taking out pretty much the entire commentary table and causing Jake Hager and Santana to run out and help break up their little spat, um, which gave Hager a chance to shove Wardlow. Because we love it when the big boys kind of interact and glare at each other. So they got a moment. So are we supposed to think the MJF got upset by the soft comment. And so he decided to aimlessly attack and possibly injure the guy he wants to be teammates with. Yes. And like based on his Twitter game today, I think that's exactly what we were supposed to think. He's showing he has killer instinct. But I mean, like, I feel like their match is built around mutual rivalry and mutual respect. Like, but I'm only going to team with you if you can beat me kind of situation. Like teacher becomes the master or, or sorry, a student becomes the master kind of thing. But this well, felt like, I hate you! <laughs> MJF did take the time to say last week during his promo, I will do anything to win, Chris. Which I thought was just implying, I'll cheat. And I'll hurt you. Because it doesn't matter, I'll be in the inner circle after the fact. And I'm sure he's planning his coup of Chris Jericho already, even before he makes it to the inner circle. So... I'm a little upset with this feud so far because I was hoping they would play up the fact that, you know, there there's safety in numbers or there's some kind of, you know, the MJF gets something from being in a group. OK, instead of like starting his own group or doing or something on his own that he couldn't do um, or doing something in a group that he couldn't do on his own. And instead, it's just kind of been silliness. And then now it's just like, I want to be in the inner circle. And they don't give me a reason why. I think they've sold the idea that, that he, he, he said that, like, you know, I, I've been cheated out of the, of the election. Oh, I mean, the world title. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, can, can you believe they're doing it to me right in front of your eyes? God. <laughs> oh. Your Republicans aren't doing anything to help. Um, anyway. Uh, and he's saying that to Chris Jericho. No. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway. Um, no, I think he's, you know, through the weeks, maybe they're not hitting it home every single week, but he has kind of said, like, I wasn't able to beat John Moxley. Um, it's so unfair. If I had a crew, if I had, like, a large group around me, then I would be able to be world champion. Yeah, I guess, but I feel like he only said it the one time. I think his, like, personality and character, it makes total sense to me that he wants to have power, and the Inner Circle are the most powerful group currently. Are they? Because last I checked, um, Eddie Kingston and pals are the ones challenging for the title right now. I mean, Butcher and the Blade and, like, the Lucha Bros, I like them, but... 
they're not exactly the powerhouse that is the inner circle. <laughs> Guys, I think you're forgetting that last week the Nightmare family added Shoddy Lee Johnson to their ranks. Oh, you're right. So <laughs> clearly that Sky rocketing. Is, yeah. I uh, like Shoddy Lee Johnson. The gun club. Don't get me wrong. He already he already feuded with Cody though. So like he can't go back. Um But but he could take over the Dark Order. Where's Brody Lee been? Where has Brody Lee been? Recovering from his dog collar match, I think. But they haven't told us that. They tell us about every other fake injury. Maybe they're keeping him kind of just out of the game because he doesn't have anything to do at full gear. So it's like, just let him lie low. This is the broadcast that told me they would give me an update on Cody and then gave me a commercial for a game show he's going to be on. That's an update. (laughs) But I'm saying, like, they go out of their way to, like, tell you, like, these f- fake stories about, l- like, the injury angles and things like that. Um, Uh-oh, Jason, you're starting to sound like Jenny. But in the, And the Dark Order is in prominent positions all up and down the card the last, like, four weeks. So, like, why don't they mention where the crap's their leader? Is there going to be a coup in the Dark Order? John they, Silver is clearly running away with the Dark Order. Are they going to invalidate, you know, votes and, um, you know destroy the process it's hard to say my point is there's other options within the inner circle and i feel like they they lost their way with the storyline a little bit uh, i don't i don't understand his want for the inner circle like it seems way too like personal without telling me why it's personal does that make sense like they made the jump without t- explaining the jump yeah, I mean, I I was very surprised when they just made this match last week because yeah. I thought like I thought like okay, well then they can do this at like Revolution. That makes sense. Like that'll be a long enough build for them to have like some animosity. But Jericho was just like, um, "How about this? If you beat me, you can join the inner circle, and this is a really good move on my part because then I'll just be really resentful towards you because you beat me." Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And and we'll have a really great relationship. And see that that's another thing. Like like they act like they don't like each other. So why is it even on the table? Cuz this is a democracy. No, it's not. Chris Jericho <laughs> tells people what to do all the time. Uh I mean, I think ultimately isn't it just like a convenient way to break up the inner circle? No, I think it's a convenient way to like stall off on Jericho and and MJF for a long time. I think if they're in the same group together, they won't be feuding. But like, it seems like they're trying to feud right now. It's it's almost like the thing with the Young Bucks, which I know we'll probably touch on later. Where it's like, this is not how I wanted this feud to be set up. <laughs> like, I don't you're doing it this way. I understand where it's going, but I don't like the process. All right. Well, let's. I'm excited to hear opinions on that. But for now, let's focus on other members of the elite, namely Kenny Omega, who apparently is staying temporarily in Jacksonville at a place that's not his own with a dog that's not his own. (laughs) But it's a cute dog. Um, Tony is at this house that is not Kenny's to interview him. And he mentions, you know, like, hey, Kenny, does it feel weird that you've you got through the finals of this tournament that you're in by essentially beating replacement opponents when Adam Page has beat everybody who 
legitimately earned their way forward in the tournament. And Kenny's that like, a, that was a fucking sassy question from Tony or from uh, Tony Schiavone right there. Tony's getting sassy and I really like it. I like when he brings out the sass. It's gotcha journalism. Mm -hmm. I think it's, it's not gotcha. It's journalism in the sense that, you know, that's a legitimate question. Uh, and Kenny, you don't ask Adam page those kind of questions. Well, JR is the one who gets that. That's just nasty, okay? You nasty. JR gets to interview Adam Page. We'll get to his questions. They're tough, too. Here, but... I have a book about Kenny Omega that's completely blank. <laughs> okay, so listen. Tony asked this question. Kenny was ready. Kenny didn't hesitate. He said, you know, I could have gone to my boy TK and technically could have asked him to treat this like a football game. And what do you think that means, Tony? And Tony says, well, you'd have, you'd get like bye weeks for the ones where the, the people dropped out. So, <laughs> so Kenny's like, I could have had those buys. I could have made it all the way to the end, technically, by not having to fight. But I wanted to do it on my own terms. So, you know, show my own merit. So he took these secondary opponents and he beat them. And then he just starts going off on how, uh, I think he said that every tournament he's entered as a single wrestler, he's won. Which I don't know if the facts check out on that, but he's going with that. And so because of that, he's destined to win the tournament and then thus destined to become the next AEW world champion. It's yeah, funny. He was, he was in I, more than one G1, right? Yeah, that's what I was thought. He only won one of them. Yeah. Um, which makes sense now in hindsight, because I was, I was going to bring up, I wonder why they didn't name drop the G1, because I don't think New Japan would mind them promoting their big tournament. But then when I thought about it, when she started saying that, I was like, oh, but then people will look up that he didn't actually win them. <laughs> so maybe yeah, that's... Yeah, I mean, it's nothing against Kenny. It's just quite a large claim for anyone to make that, like with his career and length of career, that every single's tournament he's ever entered he's won that seems statistically improbable i agree with you i don't think it's true i'm gonna google it okay google me <laughs> no david otunga stop showing up on this podcast so yeah what do you guys think about kenny uh, and his state of mind going into full gear here I have fancy booked this feud for like four <laughs> or five months, so I will I will discuss it later if you'd like when we if we're going to do um, predictions for the pay per view. Okay. Yeah. I I just think that um, I just I just wish that uh, it would it was more clear that he was a heel. I think it's really ambiguous, um, and uh, he should like probably like wear a sign that says heel around his neck when he's doing promos and wrestling. Um, because otherwise, how are you supposed to know that this man, this cocky man is a heel? David, uh, one David Meltzer does not know. Yeah. He, Dave he Meltzer must, he isn't has, aware. He has to have figured it out by now, right? I haven't listened to the show yet. Cause I haven't finished NXT. So Megan, like two weeks ago when Kenny did the match against Sonny kiss and he did like that, the first time he did the crazy entrance. Mm-hmm. Dave and Brian argued about whether Kenny was like, being portrayed as a heel. And Dave was like, no, he's a baby face. I was like, only the person who gets name dropped in the entrance would think he's a baby face. Siri, and did they see his 
face, like after he beat Sunny Kiss. Yeah. That was the most smug, cocky dick face. Yeah, I think Brian thought Dave was being sarcastic. So he's like, what? He's like, yeah, he's the biggest baby face in the company right now. I'm like, what are you talking Have you that? never seen John Moxley? I'm sorry. I'm just happy. <laughs> or Cody? I I don't know. Now, Cody is leaning heel to me. I think that might be I, that might be a pay-per-view thing too. I'm not sure. I'm I not think not. that's just like a because of the nature of that title, it's like a per opponent basis. But it just seems like he's done the thing where like either he or Arn cheats more and more frequently. Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe he'll turn. I don't know. But yeah, anyway, that's neither here nor there. Yeah. We'll get to it. But yeah, that's uh, that's Kenny. We're going to get Adam's side of this after the next match, which is Miro's first singles match. And it's against Trent. And this is the ongoing issue with Trent breaking Miro's video game on accident because FTR pushed him into it. Alan. <laughs> Alan. Yes. And Kip and Penelope are out here with Miro and Chuck and um, Orange are out there with Trent. So everybody's kind of balanced there. But um, this is a lot of Miro kicking ass. And eventually he gets Trent to tap to the game over, which is the camel clutch. So yes. Was, yes. And uh, or accolade. Yeah. Um, so that's unfortunate for Trent. But I need Megan's thought on the Miro character. Um, I was initially. I was not turned off by his lightheartedness and video game fun having best man sort of deal, but it was confusing because I remember, you know, his run in WWE and it was a lot scarier as Rusev. But now I'm I'm kind of into it. I liked it. He took a turn. He is still scary. He threw Trent around a lot. I think that means he's still a monster in his own right, but he is, uh, he has his fun video game loving side too. And, um, I guess he's going to plan, Kip, the best bachelor party and wedding ever. So I'm kind of hoping after the wedding that maybe they alter the character a little bit. I I can't figure it out because he has like the Eminem haircut. He wears what they claim are Gucci wrestling shorts. And he's obsessed with video games. And these all feel like different circles of a Venn diagram that don't overlap. Gucci should not make wrestling shorts. There is no money in that game. They would lose so much. But it would be cool if they did. <laughs> but I mean, like, okay, so the, the spender, I think that's what that implies about his character, is that he's buying lots of stuff. Didn't you Google his shirt the first night he was on there, and it was he like a like dollars or something? The, the shirt Gucci was like Disney. 600 Yeah, the shirt was 600 The pants, which just looked like pajama pants, were like 1000 or something like that, yeah. yeah. So, like... They're insinuating through his wardrobe that he's a big spender. He's obsessed with video games. And for whatever reason, he's dyeing his hair like it's 1999. And I just, I don't get it. I feel like it's an old guy having a midlife crisis. The thing is, I just assumed that that Gucci gear he wore in when he debuted and his hair and everything. I just think this might be Miro, like the real guy you know but like, like he, they, on commentary this week they said his gear was made by gucci so they've made it part of the story well yeah but i think on the day he debuted he showed up and was like yeah i'm gonna wear G- 
Gucci pants and a Disney shirt out to the ring. And my hair is the way I like it because I can do whatever I want now. And uh, we're just going to roll with it. No I- one should like their hair like that. I've told Cody that for like five years now. I, uh, I, I've said this before on the show. I do think this is what he's like. I do think he had a really miserable time for his last year or so in WWE. So he's probably really enjoying just getting to do whatever he wants and just being a little more free out there. I don't think that is conducive to being as big a star as he could be, though. Right. So I don't think this is like the optimal version of Miro as a wrestling character, but I'm glad he's having fun. <laughs> so I'm happy for him. Don't get me wrong. I just don't understand. Like, I'm like, I don't get it, really, I guess. Well, it's... I'm not yeah. attached to it, I guess is the right way to say it. It doesn't... No, yeah. I have a feeling that maybe with the wedding, maybe something will happen there that will, like, kind of, like, spur him in a different direction. I hope so, at least. Um, I'm that thinking, would be a good impetus. I'm thinking maybe Kip gets mad and then they feud. Yeah, maybe. I don't Yeah, I don't know. Um I want to say about this match uh that it was like I was watching it and it kept going and I was like okay, he shouldn't take this long to beat, you know, to win his first singles match. But it's not like Trent is not pushed, you know, the best friends are actually a pretty pushed act. So, I actually really liked the match because I think they're both really good, but at the end of it I was just like Shouldn't have been Trent then. It should have been his first singles match. Should have just been a squash against somebody who's less important. So yeah. I like the match, but I don't think it accomplished what you would want for Miro's first singles match. Well, I think I don't know this for a fact, but didn't he tweak his knee in that first tag match he was in? So maybe they wanted to, but it, like they were being careful with his knee, and then they yeah wanted- he did he did screw up his knee like on like falling to the floor or something yeah yeah so like maybe they planned on doing this as on the go home because they're having you know the tag match um and they just didn't have time to do the singles match while he was recovering from that knee tweak yeah were you were you guys surprised that they didn't end up booking that tag match for full gear oh wait it's not (laughs) i don't think so (laughs) i thought it was you didn't make a pick for it. I, I well, I copy and pasted what you sent me. So, yeah. but I thought uh, they had a graphic for it. Oh, maybe it's next week on Dynamite. I swear I saw a graphic because Orange was in the corner for Best Friends, and or maybe that was the graphic for the night when they they just had the singles match. I swear I saw something. I'm not seeing. That might have been the singles match. Yeah, because I'm guessing, because Orange has his own match on, although it's only against John Silver, so it's not like he could. <laughs> yeah. No, How dare no offense. you, No offense, sir. John. No offense, Johnny. Johnny Hungy. <laughs> There's a good Johnny Hungy chant in the main event. <laughs> <laughs> He's getting over, man. Uh, I thought that maybe to temper the fact that, like how you said it shouldn't have been Trent, they did sort of try to bring in the backstory of Trent and Miro and WWE where like uh, Trent called him his young boy. Cause he, mm. he made Miro drive him around and stuff. I did love that. Like little like backstory they added to the match. I thought that was awesome. Yeah. So it's I, like, didn't, I didn't know that. I didn't either, but it's like, okay, so it's not a squash, but these two have history. And obviously you don't want to see Trent squash because he also is getting pushed. So 
I thought they told a story around it enough that I was okay with it. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, also, I just wanted to call out Jericho again on commentary because I want to prove that it's not just JR that I sort of chastise at times. <laughs> but at, at one point, um, Chuck ends up dragging Kip away and backstage just like fighting. And then Penelope goes to try and follow and Orange stands in the way. And Jericho called her trash. And the rest of the announce team collectively were like, whoa, in a way that was like, we don't say that. Well, see, when, when he said it, I thought he was trying to imply it was Penelope, but then he was going to turn around and say he was talking about Orange. And they never followed up. And I was like, wait, it looked like a dick. He said, look what she's doing. And she was just standing there. And it's like, what well, does that he, mean? But he had like such a slight pause. And, but by the time he said such trash or whatever he says, Orange is on screen. So I thought, oh, he's going to play like he's talking to her, about her, but he's really talking about Orange. And they didn't do it. And I was like, it was set up perfectly, too. I don't know. <laughs> I think he was surprised by the immediate and, like, negative reaction from the others he got, where it's like, whoa, nobody's well, with see, you on this train. <laughs> like, if he was, like, you know such trash and then they were like whoa and he was like i'm talking about orange you idiots or whatever like it would have been that would have been great and he yeah. did he didn't he didn't do it yeah not gonna do it not gonna <laughs> do it uh also penelope um not trash but she got to have a moment where she slapped the sunglasses off orange's face so he took hers and put them on and then the dark order uh, led by John Silver this time around, started to attack Orange on the outside and um, eventually got thrown out. But Miro jumped down to help scare them away, which was like nice of him to do. John Silver might as well be the leader of the Dark Order at this point. Mr. Brody Lee is going to be so pissed. He is the Starscream of the Dark Order. Oh, he is the Starscream of the Dark Order. You're right. Oh, God. Brody Lee, Brody Lee is long term. I don't think you can trust. I don't think you can trust him. No. But yeah, that was uh, that was that match. <laughs> After all that chaos, um, we got our interview with Jr. talking to Adam Page, and Jr. is very good during these backstage. Well, not backstage, but like pre-taped interview segments. Um, Adam. <laughs> this is where he's like at his best, I think. Yeah, I agree. I really like him in that role. Um, Adam shows shows up. He has obviously in his hand a glass of whiskey, and he sort of like tries to be casual on this chair, and it kind of just looks awkward. <laughs> but he's doing his best. Um, and Jr. says, "You know, Adam, you and Kenny were a great team. How does that partnership play into your strategy coming up on Full Gear?" And Adam's like, "I know all his moves and how to count room." And then he just like <laughs> takes a sip of whiskey. <laughs> it's like that's a that's a very good answer, I guess. Um, but Jr. says, "You know what? I think you're lying. I think you're actually very nervous. You're drinking that whiskey too much, boy." And uh, <laughs> I think he says I, a couple other things about like a very good therapist. I thought. Like... Yeah, he he commented on some of Adam's other problematic behavior with regard to like emotional health. Um, so Adam admits, he, he he says, yeah, yeah, I'm nervous, you know, like, 
when we started AEW, I said I would be the first AEW champion, and that didn't end up happening. No, he, so- said, he said, and everyone betted against me, and they were right. And yeah. All, oh, that burns. <laughs> He's sipping whiskey. He's in a very, um, you know, that state you get into. <laughs> reflective i guess and he says this here right now is the closest i've ever come to becoming that champion and if i don't win this then what do i have which is like super depressing um and again jr says you gotta lay off that whiskey kid like what are you doing drinking midday don't you have a match to prepare for (laughs) like he's just like okay so yeah jr um JR went for him. Tony's sassy, but I think JR is trying to be like a teacher. It's two different uh, approaches, but I think both are both are both are equally viable in uh, the AEW ecosystem. Yeah, this made me really hope Adam wins. You know, you know what this made me think, Megan. What it made me hope Adam wins, but it also made me hope like God, you know. We've had these two interviews from these two, and they've been good, and you know it's 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 a good way. But like, what if what if like later on in the show, we could have like just some kind of like music video set to Cinderella, <laughs> and, and and we could really get into the depths of this thing. But that'll never happen because like that's crazy. No, like, that's it a won't. that's a band from the eighties. It won't happen. Stop talking about it. <laughs> okay, sorry. <laughs> You know what we do get video package wise next up? The Young Bucks. That's true. I mean, we get talking head segments from various people in AEW, uh, breaking down how the Young Bucks and FTR feud is, you know, how it's escalated. And we get kind of the reminder that if the Young Bucks lose, they will never, ever, ever, ever again challenge for the AEW tag team titles. I think I missed the talking head segment, but did anyone um, point out how it unnecessarily escalated? <laughs> no, of course they wouldn't point that out. <laughs> I think actually uh, during the Young Bucks private party match later on, the announced team does say like, why did they do that? Uh, it seemed unnecessary, but yeah, not in this segment. Okay. This is hyping it up, not tearing it down. Okay. <laughs> so Yeah. That was just a kind of short interlude. Um, When we go back in ring, we've got Team Taz. Team Taz is pissed, as per usual. Taz himself is mad that Will Hobbs continues to ignore his invitation to join Team Taz. And he says he's losing his patience with him. Give up on Will Hobbs. Get on the Layla Hirsch train. (laughs) So, so, okay, why doesn't Taz go after MJF? Oh, that's above his pay rate. Oh, yeah, yeah. That, may, that would make sense. Taz wants people. MJF wants people. No one has to fight anybody. MJF wants to be in charge of people. I think ultimately that's what it comes I, down to. He's not going to get that in Jericho's group. If MJF beats Jericho to get into the group, I think that gives him a foothold into later saying that he beat Jericho and pushing him out and therefore becoming the leader. Team Taz is never going to leave Team Taz. It's named after him. But he's you know? just the mentor <laughs> person. He doesn't wrestle. True. But but he gets a like, voiceover in the music and everything. Yeah. <laughs> well, 
Also, you know who, who can does... survive the path of cage? Oh God. <laughs> Taz puts in the work, guys. As the leader, he spent three hours today sitting outside TK's office trying to get just two minutes with him. Two measly minutes. But Tony Khan was too busy talking to all the people who are booked for full gear. And this made Taz think, why the hell is Team Taz not booked for full gear? Brian Cage is currently ranked number one with a 10-1 and record. So, you know, he should be somewhere on there. And then Ricky Starks has won the last 10 of his 11 matches. Or won 10 of his last 11 matches. But he isn't even ranked in the top five. And this is where I thought of Jenny because Taz is like, what is with these rankings? They are clearly a lie and they clearly mean nothing. And then Ricky Starks takes the mic and says he's pissed that these rankings don't make sense and that Team Taz isn't even on Saturday's show. So Taz points out that Darby and Cody have a lot in common. They're both entitled and he hates them. And then Taz calls out Cody because, you know, Cody espouses like work hard and you're going to make it. But Team Taz has been working hard and these rankings are against them. So while they don't have an official match on Full Gear, they claim there will be an FTW presence on the show somewhere. So it sounds like they're interfering with Cody and Darby because the only person they're feuding with is Darby. Well, Maybe. I do, do you guys have you guys noticed those ads for Full Gear that have been airing the last couple weeks where they're like, "Hey, remember when this person debuted in AEW and it was cool? How about when this person debuted in AEW and it was cool?" Yeah, it's yeah. like it's just like built around debuts. Yes, it, it seems like they're pretty much saying that there's going to be a big debut at Full Gear, right? Yeah, the, the one this week actually said, who will be the next big surprise? And I was like, I don't know who's available. <laughs> like, okay, yeah, who is well, available? Let's, let's talk about that. Like, okay. who, 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 is, who is it going to be? Um, well, we had 12 people let go from WWE. <laughs> what are they up to? Oh, the, like the, the COVID releases? Yeah, like the May people. Oh, man. Um, yeah, he, I don't... He Slater's in Impact, and he's hurt right now. Oh, yeah. Okay, WWE releases 2020. Let's see. Um, Kurt Angle, but I think he's he's going to do Impact, is what I heard, but, you know, who knows? He should not um, be doing anything. What is he talking about? Well, I don't know if he's wrestling, but he's... Oh, okay. But, you know. um, Drake Maverick, who, of course, they brought back. Oh, Bruce. I got it. It's Sting. <gasps> oh, that's right, because Sting is, like, officially a free agent now, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that would be cool if they, like... Because I bet they could do something fun with Sting. And Darby. And Darby. Yeah. Okay. Guys, they both yeah. wear face paint. Brothers in paint 2020! And and you know how, like... And this is getting ahead of ourselves, but you know how, like, Cody was talking about, like, like you know, if you, if you win this title, you're the face of TNT. It could be like a thing where like Sting, who was at one time the face of TNT, passes the torch to Darby Allen. Oh, oh my gosh. God. What if Sting holds off Team Taz with a baseball bat from interfering? Yep. Oh, I'd and, be excited. And then Cody gets distracted and Darby hits something and then hits a coffin drop. So Sting hands Cody the T- or Darby the TNT title for his first big win. Oh man, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be pissed if it's not Taz now or if it's not Sting now because I'm like all I'm like I'm all jazzed about Booker. It. See, I have great ideas. Oh, and you could tie it back. Remember when Taz was trying to forcefully mentor Darby and Darby was like not having it? What if Darby was secretly beating with Sting and learning his ways? 
He does sit in the rafters. Oh my god. Yeah. That thing that thing where Taz was trying to mentor Darby was like it was so weird because it was like he tried one time and Darby just ignored him. So then he was just like, I guess I'll just get the biggest man in the world, Brian Cage, to kill you now because you ignored me one time. <laughs> I and Taz was mentoring him in such a passive aggressive way, being like, now the reason you suck is this and I can help you. with that. <laughs> like, and wasn't he sending him like a bunch of videos like he wasn't even actually meeting with him. He was just like doing those like vi- um, vignettes where he's just like, OK, so here's why Darby Allen sucks. And you talk about you talk about technique by Taz. Yeah, but he'd always bring up Darby Allen. Oh, that's da- what he does to Darby. everyone who he hates. Uh, when he was doing Darby or not Darby Moxley's te- technique by Taz, yeah. he just talked about how Moxley's technique couldn't beat Brian Cage. Like that's just how he whirls. He directs it at whoever he hates. You know the thing about Darby is he's a free elf. <laughs> yeah, he's a house elf, so it's fine. Yeah. Dobby Allen. <laughs> I uh, love Taz promos, man. I'm just, we we got like we got screwed out of like about 15 years of Taz promos. <laughs> I was thinking 15 too. I was trying to yeah. think like how many years he was not doing anything. <laughs> well, he's uh oh, I see now I'm going to be really upset if Sting doesn't debut and do exactly what I'm sorry, but he's the only big name that makes sense. This is why I don't fantasy book. Not because I'm not creative, but because I don't want to get my hopes up for something that's not guaranteed. Oh, I do it all the time. Don't ask Andy. <laughs> I lived through John Cena as champion for 15 years. Oh, I know you're Cena hate. It's a good thing Jenny's not here. She'd be so mad. It's not her fault that I book brilliant storylines that she doesn't know about. I can hear her right now. She is on a work call at 9.19 p.m. Eastern time. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> Okay, well, I hate that. Let's uh, switch gears from work calls and go to private parties with the Young Bucks. That's the next match, guys. Private Party versus the Young Bucks. As Andy said earlier, this is apparently replacing the Scorpio-Sean Spears match that we did not get. And the Young Bucks um, are mostly doing okay, except for Matt. Obviously, his ankle is still really screwed up from the run-in with FTR where they stomped on a chair on it. So this I have, home, I have news about that. Okay. So this is something that Brian Alvarez talked about uh, this morning on Wrestling Observer Radio. So Matt Jackson is actually hurt. He has a partially torn MCL and a thinning of the ACL, which is considered a slight tear. And he has been working on it since um, July when they did that Falls Count Anywhere match with the Butcher and the Blade. That's where he like. Got that? You remember where they brawled all over Daly's place? Yeah. That's that's where he uh, got the engine. Like there was a um, apparently there was a flying elbow spot off the set, and he like put put one of them through a table, and the table leg jammed up his knee. <gasps> oh no! And he's only worked eight matches since then, which sounds like about eight too many. But um, <laughs> yeah. but anyway, so he's been trying to just kind of rehab it to avoid surgery. Um, so that's why they kind of like turned it into a storyline for this. So let me get this straight. FTR debuted on May 27th. He got injured in July. Correct. And it's now November and they didn't think 
get healthy and then we'll do this right? Well, I mean, they could have a very good match like built around that storyline of him having an injured leg or an okay. injured ankle. But mm-hmm. Andy, they made the stipulation that if they lose, yeah. they can't challenge for the belt again. And if he wins and like tears his freaking ACL or MCL, they gonna- can't challenge for the belt again. <laughs> But they're going to have to forfeit, and it's going to be pointless anyway. I mean, that's possible. I mean, you, you just made a bad situation worse, and then you threw a stupid stipulation on it. Megan just thinks they're going to lose the match and then create uh, create TNT tag team titles. Yeah. <laughs> well, I did have the thought that maybe they, they'll the, their idea is we'll never be tag team champions, but we're going to own those six-man belts. I mean, that was what Jenny laid out last week, and I think that's a good alternative because uh, I'm picking FTR and I genuinely just think FTR is going to win. Okay. Well, so I think it's BS that the number one team in the company that the company's built around and sells the most merchandise. And one of the whole reasons this company exists is because they are in freaking hot topic stores. Um, <laughs> won't be your tag team champions potentially. However, I understand the Cody uh, situation which, by the way, we can legally call him Cody Rhodes again. I don't know if you guys were aware of that, but I was we, aware of that. He said he's yeah. not going to use it for wrestling, though. How dare he! I just like that he's got it back, and he, he <laughs> it's like it's his he, now. He is not share anyway. So, um, someone did point out that that'd be a great like way to get out of that storyline that Cody cannot challenge for the AEW Championship, but Cody Rhodes can. I mean, that's a way to get out of that storyline. I wouldn't call it a great way to get out of that storyline. I, I, I did I say great? I didn't mean great. It's just a way. <laughs> anyway, um, I understand why Cody did that, though, because he got so many comparisons to, like, kind of the Triple H thing, like booking yourself or whatever. And I don't well, think he... he smashed a freaking throne with a sledgehammer. <laughs> I think he invited the comparison. I know, but, like, he did. But I don't think he wanted people to think he was booking himself to be champion. Mm-hmm. Like people presume Triple H was when he was cozying up to Stephanie and events in the 90s. Okay. So, and early 2000s. But, so I kind of understand his and mind. Late 2000s. And, Are well, you calling his marriage to Stephanie just the long con? I'm not saying I'm saying it. I'm saying the internet has been <laughs> saying it for years. Anyway, um, so I don't think he really wanted that comparison. He was fine never being champion. But the Bucks, however, like, I think their popularity outranks Cody's individual popularity in terms of how these fans view this company. I mean, they came up with the word the elite, did they not? And that's what the company's freaking named after. I kind yeah. of respect them if they decided, like, we don't need that. Like, we formed this company, we know who we are, and we don't need to book ourselves as champions in it. Like, I know at the beginning they they said we don't want to make a company where we're all just like booking ourselves to be the champs. Uh, yeah. So and the only person who's been able to win anything has been Cody Rhodes, and all the other members of the elite have been booked into oblivion trying to put everybody else over. That's not true. Hangman and Kenny were tag team champions for a really long time, and they won all the time. Yeah. Yeah. But look how long Kenny Omega lost. Look how much Adam Page lost. Look how yeah, much like at the beginning, yeah. 
my point is they shouldn't be doing the stipulation and they really should be doing the stipulation if he's injured and they may have to like not work for a long period of time anyway. I think it's weird that they're doing the stipulation because it came out of nowhere, but I think it's fine because they're going to win the match anyway. But is it fine if they win the match and then have to vacate like immediately thereafter? I mean, they probably won't have to vacate. They'll just like, they, they'll, they'll wait a month to, to do the first title defense and they'll just, you know, he's, he's been working on it already. And you know, it's not like it's that strenuous. Well, what if he messes it up worse in this match? Because you know, they're going to go 110% with FTR. Well, then you, yeah, you vacate the titles and you do a tournament and uh, yeah. Or you Thank have God for tournaments or you have there, you have uh Nick stand there with someone else's shoulder holding a belt. Yeah. And it's never, uh, never show Matt's face for like, you know, eight months. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> and then you only book handicap matches for the titles. Yes. Okay. Let's, let's talk uh private party young bucks, Megan. Okay. Well, um, the young bucks win Matt injured. Matt actually gets to pin Mark Quinn after he and Nick do the BTE trigger. But Matt sells his ankle for the entire match and at points tells Nick to stay out rather than tag Matt in. And at one point, literally sits down rubbing his ankle and shakes his head when Nick comes over and tries to tag him. So he's really selling this uh, and hearing that he's actually injured. I guess it's it's good that he's selling it. And it's, yeah, Nick was like, bro, because I think Nick's like, I tried to say to people multiple times that you're injured and you kept saying you're fine and now we're in the middle of a match and you decide to finally tell the truth i'd be a little annoyed too so and and you arbitrarily it seems like he like is the one who decided even though he's injured that we're going to do this stipulation doesn't that feel like stereotypical wwe let's break up the young bucks i mean okay so i know they're not but that's no, they're not but like think about this though okay let's say it would kind of make sense if if Matt does have to go on the shelf for a while that you, you strip him of the titles, you do a tournament and that's like a big TV, you know, that's your, one of your big TV points for a while. And then that allows Nick to do like a singles run. With the and, he doesn't feel, and he doesn't feel guilty about it. Cause he's pissed off at his brother. Yeah. Yeah. I wish we could get one long period of time where neither of them are hurt. Well, they work their asses off. So it, probably isn't going to happen yeah well maybe they should rehab their asses off for a while the one ring of honor show that megan and i went to during the like the bullet club glory period uh the young bucks were like both had like had suffered broken ribs like the night before in pittsburgh or something so i think we got to see them do a, a run-in for adam cole on in his match yeah <laughs> but we didn't get to see the young bucks match that we were supposed to i just yeah. remember when they were in Japan, um, Matt working on that bad back forever. And I was just like, why would you do that? Like, stop. Like, they don't yeah, but like, but didn't, didn't it turn out that like a lot of that was just him selling and people just like were fooled? No, because Dave said like, you know, he, w I, I'm pretty sure that that six months they didn't do any matches because they were starting AEW was a, a good time for him to rest his back. Dave's also yeah. pretty sure that Kenny's the face, so I know, I know. I'm starting to doubt Uncle Dave. <laughs> I know he's getting—he's not in his seventies like Vince yet, but I'm starting to think like maybe he's not all there anymore. You know, it's funny. Like ten years ago, I used to always like—I used to always agree with Dave when he and Brian would argue points, 
and now it's like it's almost completely switched. It's like I, when 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 they disagree about stuff, I'm always on Brian's side now. Me too, and I'm pretty sure I used to always be against Brian as well. Like I always be texting you. I can't believe Brian said this or whatever. Yeah. You know how Lance <laughs> how Lance like uh, texts Brian like you dumbass, and then tells him like what's up. Yeah. Do you you think I, I can't imagine that he like when he texts Dave to disagree with him that he that he that he is so cavalier about. No, I don't think he even texts Dave when he disagrees with him. He just tells Brian that he disagrees with Dave. Um, okay. Because, like, he acts like they don't communicate uh, regularly. Right. Although, did you guys... I know you didn't see this, Megan, but did you see, like, Lance was, Lance was doing, um, like, like 30 different... Um, he'd wanted to do, like, a bunch of, sh- of uh, photos from his 30 years of his career because, you know, yeah. he and Jericho have the same debut date. And he he found the letter of recommendation that he got Dave Meltzer to write for him so he could get uh, booked uh, with uh, Smoky Mountain Aww. Wrestling in like 1993 or whatever. That's so <laughs> cute. Was it, was it in Comic Sans? I don't remember. I don't remember what it was. What it was. Oh uh, no, it wouldn't have been because I think Dave was still just using a typewriter at that point. Uh, uh, for, the, for those wondering, Lance Storm also posted a, a kind of like a good job kid letter from JR when he did PR over in India for WWE. And it was on company letterhead in Comic Sans. And Megan and I ripped him for it. It's just not a professional font. No. Private Party um, were at a disadvantage in this match because their mentor got uh, hit with a twist of fate on the by Sammy Guevara right before the match started. That's true. I uh, Matt should have seen it coming. You know, yep. this, this revenge, this vengeance. Well, he didn't, so he got he got hit, and he got, like, taken out by the refs very carefully. So, these two boys still mad. But, uh, you know, Private Party, I think they held their own for a good bit of this, even though their mentor with that, you know, weighing on them. But ultimately, yeah. they, they did lose. Yeah. I liked. I, I enjoyed the match. I think. I don't think these two teams can get together and have a bad match. So you know. No, they're very good, and uh, stylistically, they're the same. So it's fun to just watch a bunch of high spots. Mm-hmm. Nick Jackson running the ropes is always fun, and I think Private Party collectively are also very good. I love when they do the double uh, jumps to the outside. Oh, where they like 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 crisscross each other. And yeah, then, and this time yeah. they did the high five. I thought that was fun. Totally, yeah. But yeah, so after the match, though, things things happen. Um, FTR runs out and attacks the Bucks, because of course they do. And then once they've got them down, Tully encourages Cash Wheeler to once again like set Matt's ankle in a chair and jump on it from the top rope. But before Cash can do that, he gets all the way up to the top rope, and then Adam... I want to say runs out, but I, he has like a his drink in hand, so he sort of like hurries as much as he can with with that, and he makes should a, get like he should get like sippy cups for toddlers, yeah. So he can so he can run while preserving his drink. They have wine and liquor tumblers that are similar to coffee tumblers, but they don't yeah. need to you know keep things hot. Um, yeah. Now he insists on using that glass cup, so he sort of goes as fast as he can. And FTR scatter, to his credit, he doesn't really do anything, but they run. And then very shortly after that, Kenny runs out. And so, like, the Bucks are screaming at FTR, who are on the outside at this point. 
And Kenny and Adam sort of look at each other, and Kenny offers his fist up for a bump. And Adam, Adam does the fist bump. They're like, it's a very bro move. And then Adam turns like he's leaving and then decides against it, turns back, and he spins Kenny around towards him. And it looks like they're going to fight, but instead I think they have words, but we can't hear those words. Uh, but it looks intense. And they don't look happy. And then I thought, like, this is pretty good, but what if there was a video package where don't know what you got till it's gone well, by Cinderella played? Get to it. <laughs> we'll get to it. Um, Sorry. No, it's okay. It's just, come on, man. We're not there yet. Uh, but yeah, Kenny and Adam, they're having a tough time. Uh, I did want to point out that I said at the top that the announcers were a little punchy tonight, and especially during the segments where they're supposed to be picture-in-picture. Picture. In England, when they went picture-in-picture... Picture, where you are. Jer- yep. Um, <laughs> Jericho says something. I didn't write down the line, but he basically said something insulting to Tony, and JR said, that would have been a great line for TV. And they kind of like start to break down a little bit on commentary like with each other, and Ex- Excalibur goes what is this, dark? And then Jericho replies, no, this is serious. <laughs> and so I feel like that's where they are. <laughs> that's where they fall on the dark versus dynamite scale. I hate that, like, the the month that I was, uh, I was also living in Europe uh, to watch dynamite, that it was during the time when they weren't doing any live shows, so there was none of that, like, like hearing the announcers during commercial break stuff because it was all pre-edited, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, at one point, did you hear JR? I forget which match it was during, but he's like, he threw to picture in picture and then immediately goes, well, I just set up picture in picture, but I guess we're not doing that. Because <laughs> yes, they stayed I, like full I screen. For, I forget which match it was, but yeah. He gets so salty when they don't. Like, I wonder who's giving him the cue. Like, I wonder yeah. if- Who's off on this? Is it it's him or is it the person setting him up? He's so I love, mad. I, I love him, like, him setting up those those restaurant-quality picture-in-pictures. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, Jer, is picture-in-picture, like, your pet project? Because he's <laughs> always so, like, excited to talk about. Yeah. He go picture-in-picture. Picture. He gets under-the-table money for every ad that airs during Dynamite. It must be something like that because he is the only one who says we're going to picture in picture and he really lays it on thick when he does that. And then when it doesn't go picture in picture, he's pissed at their duties for the day. They're like, Excalibur, you're going to you're going to call all the moves. Uh, Tony, you're going to be Jericho's punching bag. Jericho is going to scream at everything. And then Jr. is going to cue picture in picture. And they're like, OK. And so like, he's ready for his job. And then when they don't do it, he gets pissed. Yep. It's that like is a, that is, that's the thing about Jericho's commentary. It's like, I enjoy him for a while, but I was really hoping, like, when MJF speared him, I thought, like, oh, perfect. Okay, he did one segment, and now he's going to be gone for the rest of the show. Nope. <laughs> like, I thought li- the exact same bi- thing. A little bit of Jericho commentary goes a long way. Well, I think it's Especially different. when the whole team's there. Yeah. yeah. It really depends on, like, what they're using him for. Like, if they're really using him to get other people over or if he's just screaming. And I feel like last night or whenever this was, I can't remember what day it is anymore. um, 
it felt like there was a lot of screaming because the MJF stuff happened. He already talked about it. So he didn't really have much to say to promote his feud. And he only occasionally talked about other people. Like he talked about Orange Cassidy, like, I hate that move or whatever. Like that move put me out or whatever. And he talked about Moxley, like being him for the title. And he's still pissed about it every day. But he, he didn't weirdly, have enough. He weirdly like put over Isaiah Cassidy a lot. Yeah, yeah. He, he looked like Will Smith. And I'm like, is that yeah. a, what kind of compliment is that? Like, you know, after he said it, I was thinking, like, he does kind of look like Will Smith. <laughs> <laughs> but he said he's the Will Smith of wrestling. And he I was get, like, he should get a box haircut and then he will look like the Fresh yeah, Prince. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but like, I thought, well, I guess that's nice. But I was like, I don't know why you said it. <laughs> I, I just think Andy nailed it, where it's like, when the whole team is there, Jericho, you know, he doesn't need to provide color commentary or any other specific aspect of it. So he does just scream like he's very good winning those times when um, it was like him and Tony or like him and Jr. just like the two of them because he had a role to fill. But when you've got the whole team and they're all doing their thing, Jericho's just there to be like on the heel and like scream about whoever is wrestling at the time. So and I feel like also they think, okay, Jericho's going to bring in ratings. So let's, we don't really have a match for him. So let's just put him on commentary so he can cut promos all night long. And I feel like, was their strategy like, we'll, we'll retain more people from watching the news if Jericho's on commentary? Because it didn't really work. And maybe that was a waste of Jericho. I don't know. Like, I mean, that's not true though. Like, the, I mean, we haven't talked about the ratings, but their ratings held up really well. It was, I think it was just like, they did, but I'm, I I mean, like, I'm not sure. I think it may have been that way anyway, without Jericho commenting. Yeah, I don't think he drew anything extra. I'm just saying, like, I I think the television audience was just, like, much, much larger than usual last night. because Yeah. 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 Well, you know, there's, you know, 70 million people trying to elect somebody. Um, yeah. So. On both sides. Yeah, really. <laughs> well... I think maybe the next segment was responsible for a lot of ratings because, man, was it fire. Uh, I thought so, anyway. I thought it was really good. Uh, the in-ring face-to-face with Eddie Kingston and John Moxley was up next. And Somebody's turning the corner. No. I see you peeking around the corner, Megan. Stop it. Stop it. I'm not at that corner. I'm so far away from that corner. <laughs> so, to set this up, at the top of the show... Uh, they had the announced team had alerted us that even though Eddie Kingston and John Moxley are both in the building and going to have a face to face, that Tony Khan has stated they're not allowed to get physical with each other or else they will not have a match on Saturday. So they're limited here. But that doesn't really stop them from getting incredibly intense. So Eddie goes out first. And, uh, you know, he's there waiting. And then Moxie comes out. He rolls in from the outside of the arena, as he does. And Eddie immediately gets up in John Moxie's face. And I'm talking, like, they are practically kissing. He is I so... Like, I was, like, very... Like, I had, like, a big COVID trigger happening with when yep. I saw that. <laughs> yep. Wasn't the rule they weren't allowed to touch? They're touching. Get physical. Oh, I'm sorry. So I they're did... not allowed to, like, attack each other. But they can do that, like manly um you know like when two bucks 
clash antlers or whatever the hell it is. Sure. Only this time it was noses, and they were just up in each other's noses. Um, Eddie got real emotional, and he said when he beats Moxley, he's going to take that belt, and he's going to give it to his ma, and he's going to let her know that this is the reason she doesn't have a daughter-in-law or any grandchildren, <laughs> because that belt is that important. I was like, brah. Okay. Uh, wow. Question on this part. So what did he tell his ma prior to 2019 when this belt existed? I gotta uh, make a double shot for Chikara, ma. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, I'm all for making your title sound prestigious, but that line made it sound like he had no point to live until two years ago. I think I think the point was that he was like he was grinding for the past 15 years to get here, and now he's got this opportunity, and this is like the holy yeah. grail at the end of at the end of the, the quest for him. Yeah, okay. all the training, all the work. That's led to this moment from what he said, but all right, I'll I'll let I you. I I I I I thought this made sense. I liked it. I just also that I was like nervous, laughing, like, oh god, she doesn't have a daughter-in-law or grandchildren. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> like, I don't know. It was funny. I liked it. I thought it was very intense. I thought Eddie Kingston did really well, and then Moxie got on the mic and was like, you know what, Eddie. Loyalty's a bitch, and it's and I've been burned time and time again. I was so happy for you when you signed your contract for AEW. And Eddie's, like, in his face this whole time, screaming at him. Like, even though Eddie doesn't have the mic, you can hear him just, like, going on and on. And I don't know. It worked for me. Like, I thought Eddie Kingston was doing very well at being Eddie Kingston. Um, and Moxie's like, I promised your mom, Ruthie, that yeah. I would always have your back and <laughs> protect you. And... Eddie Kingston, like, don't say my mother's name. God forbid. Why uh, did you say Martha? Yeah. Mar save Martha. <laughs> oh, that movie fucking sucks. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so uh, Moxley apparently, you know, good friends with Eddie. When they were kids, told his mom he would protect him. He said he ate at their house. I don't know. It was very intense. And then Moxley says... The loudest one in the room is always the weakest one in the room. And I know you're scared, Eddie, because I know you're scared you're going to lose. And you've made this promise to your mom. And the worst part is that you can't keep it. So Eddie, at this point, storms out. He's done with this. But, man, these two, I liked it. This is a big mom week on uh, on Dynamite between Miro invoking Sue's name and uh, and then Eddie's mom getting brought up. Yeah, I didn't touch on it with the trend thing but Miro saying like your mom didn't teach you manners really set him off <laughs> like, don't bring Sue into this um, but yeah what? so what did you guys think of this here segment thought it ruled yeah I like I like the intensity but I did not like the delivery I guess it's the right way to say it um Eddie Kingston gets on my nerves the way he speaks. And I think I've narrowed it down to why. He comes across like people in our current political environment who will, I won't name names or name parties or anything, but the constant, like, yammering, interrupting, just, like, trying to call you on stuff that, doesn't have anything to do with what you're talking about. 
I, I just fired at Joe Jorgensen. <laughs> I just, I, I, I. What did she ever do to you? I, um, I, I don't know. Don't know anything about her. Uh, anyway, um, <laughs> my, I couldn't take this, so I was just like walking away from the TV. Um, and I don't care for Eddie Kingston in other ways too, but especially in this promo and this style, I was just like, I'm over this in society. <laughs> like, I just can't stand this. He, he is. I think that's part of what I don't like about him too, Jason. Like, I don't know if I'm as far down the line as you are, but like, I do kind of hate how he's always just talking over people and being a dick about it. Um, but this time I really, I really liked it because this is like two very good talkers verbally sparring with each other. And I also really liked that there was a point where like before Eddie Kingston stormed out, he was like, this is real. This is real. Let's go right now. Like we're going to fight. Like, I don't care about this stupid show. Like this is real. And I was like, I know this is not real, but man, you're making me question it. And I, I thought that was really good. Uh, I really I enjoyed this segment. Too. Yep. Eddie Kingston. He's the best. As it turns How dare out. you? How dare you? John Moxley, the best. <laughs> so yeah, that um I think this is like a good hype for this match. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh next up, we have a video message sent straight from England from our pal Pac Pack Pack. I think is how we settled on his name. Pack. Pack, who has been in his home for seven months of quarantine and I think that this has broken something in his brain (laughs) (laughs) because um, we see a video of him he's sitting on his couch and he's like talking about being in quarantine and then like there's this audio you hear the audio faintly of Eddie Kingston saying where's your little British friend when he came and like talked to like the Lucha Bros and the Butcher and the Blade and so that's playing and then there's like this Pac is sitting on his couch clothed but then we have Pac the wrestler appearing in the background and then we get like different shots like by a tree and wandering around on a beach all alone it's very like isolating and Pac says, isolation means you have no one to talk to. And then all of a sudden, he's sitting on his couch and there's like 10 packs all around laughing and being weird. And he talks about how every day he's getting better and he's becoming more obsessed and he'll be back. So I think Pac might be losing his mind. This Somebody go check on him. Megan, as a Marvel aficionado, um, did you get like Doctor Strange and Mysterio vibes from this? I mean, I'm not. A, I don't claim to be a Marvel aficionado. She is everybody. She is. I could see like aficionado does not mean an expert. It just means you are aficionated. <laughs> I could see that. Yeah, I could. I could see that. He's obviously having some stuff, some weird like warped reality going on with him. So maybe, but I, I'm curious what this means for Pack. Like the shoot version, is he allowed to leave England ever? Do we get to see Pack again? Yeah, I mean, presumably someday. But uh, I think the most interesting thing about this is that uh, Pack has become a scientist and mastered human cloning. 
and he's just living out the plot of the Michael Keaton film Multiplicity. Oh no! Does that mean like one of him is extremely dumb? Like, does yeah. he get dumber like, as he and, clones? Yeah, oh yeah, and there's like ten of them, so that tenth one is like <laughs> like pants shitting dumb. Oh no! Yeah. Oh, pack. Yeah, I know. Okay, well then that's gonna be scary when all ten of them get on a plane and come over here to the U- the you United imagine, States. Can you imagine how terrifying that would be to like meet <laughs> ten packs and like at least five of them are real stupid. Yeah. Oh, but also I kind of want them to hang out with John Silver because I think John Silver, muscle pervert John Silver, could lead a pardon me for saying a pack of five packs <laughs> that are like dumb. A, like sled dogs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is the muscle club, guys. I really did like this promo. It it I, I it did make me think like just like so we're just gonna check in on Pac like every six months and see how he's doing in quarantine. <laughs> like cause this was cause we had one of these a few months ago, right? Yes, and yeah. yeah. I somebody needs to check in on him. I hope he's doing okay. I do respect that he's I assume putting these together probably by himself. They're very good production value. Yeah. Yeah. But, so yeah. good for him. Mm-hmm. All right. I hope one day you're allowed to come back to the States. And I hope it's because this virus is gone. But we'll see how that goes. Um, next up, we go backstage where Alex Marvez is talking to the Natural Nightmares, Dustin Rhodes and QT Marshall. And... um. He says, like, the Butcher and bl- the Blade is coming up next week for you guys. And as he's talking about this, Allie walks over and she goes straight up to QT and in a sick burn is just like, thanks for all the gifts, but these credit cards are maxed out. And she throws a pile of credit cards at him. And this is enough of a distraction for the Butcher and the Blade to attack him from behind and then also just basically destroy the set while they're attacking both QT and Dustin um, and take him out. So it's it awesome. <laughs> yeah. It was really mean of her. Uh, presumably Allie has put QT into a large amount of debt and that that's unfortunate for him. Yeah. I want, I really want to know, like if I could ask Tony Khan one question right now, it'd be like, what was originally supposed to happen with this storyline? <laughs> because I can't imagine that this is the answer. Yeah. I, I thought the answer was, Brandy needed a tag team partner. Yeah, okay. maybe so basically just, just to set up that one tournament. Yeah. Well, seems like you could have gotten anybody for that. Maybe Brandy's really like liked her. Red Velvet, for instance. I think Brandy and Allie are like BFFs in real life, though, right? I don't know. Or was it Brandy and Britt? I thought it was Allie. I don't recall. Okay, yeah, you're right. But speaking of Red Velvet... Thank you. Brandy is apparently, like, mentoring her. I don't know why, but... Yeah, in that's, the a next... dark, that's a dark storyline. Okay, well, that makes sense is, then. Is she her young girl? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't mean that in a sexual way. I do. Oh, gosh. So, Red Velvet and Brandy, accompanied by Brandy is facing Nyla Rose, who is accompanied by Vicky Guerrero, obviously, her manager. And Nyla Rose gets to destroy poor Red Velvet. She does this in front of Hikaru Shida, who is in 
you know, front row watching. So Nyla Rose does a beast bomb and she's got poor velvet or red velvet down, but on the two count, she pulls her back up and is like, nah, nah, we're not done here. She mockingly bows towards Hikaru Shida and then does her finishing move, the Tomashi, and that's how she pins Red Velvet. So. I like any, I, 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 like, I'm not, I don't forgive this match for having no build, but I do like angles where people use uh, other people's finishers to piss them off. You don't see it very often. I like it when it happens. Yeah. It's good stuff. Yeah. Uh, and then to rub salt in the wound after the match, Vicky gets on the mic. She taunts Red Velvet. She says, Brandy, I've got a new title for you. It's Chief Bullshit Officer. Brandy she looks gets... so delighted to be able to curse. <laughs> she got Jericho's shit this time around. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, she used she... to be my best friend's uh, wife. <laughs> she's, <laughs> she's crazy. <laughs> I did like that. Um, but yeah, Vicky's like, Tony Khan is finally listening to me. Uh, Sheeta had to accept Nyla's challenge for the title and Nyla's going to kill her at full gear. And then Vicky says, excuse me, mockingly in Japanese. I don't know how to say it. I didn't write it down because I don't know how to say it. Um, but this causes Sheeta to attack her and then Nyla has to come to her rescue. So they're trying to build some heat for this match, I think. I believe it's Sumimasen. Okay. Sumimasen. Yep. Well, Bonjour. Well, that's French. All right, yeah. So, yeah, that's um, that's the build. I mean, I, this was what I was referring to at the beginning when I was saying, like, hey, at least at least they did a build for everything, though some started with a lower bar than others. But yep. at least they did an angle. Yeah. 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 So next up is the thing Andy's been waiting the entire show to talk about. And this is where we unite Kenny and Adam in a single video package where the same talking heads from the Young Bucks video package are here to also break down Kenny and Adam as a team and go through their history. But what they have to say is literally not as important as the montage at the end of this segment where... We are shown Kenny and Adam's whole relationship arc with, as Andy said, which 80s metal ballad is playing over it? It is Don't Know What You Got Till It's Gone by Cinderella. Okay, yeah, it's intense. And I loved it so much. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it ruled. Um, I, I was, it was the, it was definitely the most surprising thing on the show that they would... That they would, I mean, why? Because like, <laughs> we have to. That's the number two question I would ask Tony Khan. Why Cinderella? <laughs> Apparently they they have cleared uh, the ability to air licensed music now on TNT. That was a thing Cody mentioned in the call today. So maybe, oh, this, nice. was, maybe this was like their first like, let's do it. And they were like, we don't have a song. Uh, pick one. It's, I yeah, I would assume this is maybe on the more affordable end of licensing. I would think so. So <laughs> you start low and go from there. But also, I just like the cheesiness of it. I love it so much. It's great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. These boys, I 
think after seeing this video, I want them to continue dating and stop breaking up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe they will realize that they didn't know what they had until it was gone. Hopefully. Just listen to the lyrics, guys. <laughs> I I knew it was an 80s metal band with probably a lot of hair. I just didn't know which one. I'm mm. glad you were here with the, the trivia. All right. So after this, we get another video. It's a decidedly different tone. This is one of Darby's independent films. <laughs> it's in black and white. That's how you know it's a Darby joint. Um, As Tony Khan said this morning on AEW Unrestricted, Darby Allen is a talented filmmaker. <laughs> yes, he is. So all his films take place on his giant stretch of property, which is totally fine. Um, but we see him walking towards a car in kind of like a, a field area. And the car looks old and it's painted on the hood. It says the face of TNT. And in the on the windshield, like the passenger side, it looks like it's Darby's face paint with like the half skeleton. So Darby approaches this with a skateboard in hand, gets up to it, smashes the skateboard through the driver's side window, and then gets in and starts to drive the car towards another person who we don't see who it actually is, but they're dressed like Cody. They're wearing a suit and they're wearing a Cody mask that has a cigar popping out of it. <laughs> and it's just like the most insulting uh, rendition of Cody I've ever seen. And so Darby hits that person with a car, which is, I would say, a pretty aggressive message to Cody. Uh, but that's the video. You think it was Steve-O under the mask? Could be. I thought, is this a jackass person? <laughs> so, I don't know. Maybe one of his skater friends. They look like they knew how to get hit by a car and not get hurt. It's a valuable skill to have. Yeah. I don't possess that skill. I don't think a lot of people who generally just do everyday things possess that skill. That seems like a very specific niche, but um, I was surprised at how violent the message was towards Cody. I guess that's cool, because Darby's coming for him. And with that, I think we're going to move to the main event here because that's all that's left. And this is a six-man match. We've got yeah. John Silver on one side, Vance Preston, or Preston Vance, 10, and Colt Cabana, the Dark Order. And they're facing off against the Gun Club and Cody. So <laughs> what a weird group of people we have here. Uh, the Gun this, Club. This is my first time seeing Austin Gunn. Ever? I well, I I know he was in that battle royal and all in, but I have I don't remember it at all. Okay, so Austin Gunn is perpetually on the outside screaming, and um, that's sometimes distracting to people. Yeah. <laughs> so yes, Austin Gunn is here in the Gun Club, and I was kind of surprised at just how much airtime Austin Gunn got. This um, felt like a let's get Austin Gunn over to the Dynamite audience match. Yeah. <laughs> I, he spent a lot of time in the ring, and it wasn't all getting beat up, although a large part of it was. But I think the key here is that Austin Gunn was the one who got to 
get the pin. Like he pinned Preston Vance, who is a very large man, with a move called the, the quick draw. Which is a gun reference. You, well, yeah, if you're in the gun club, you got to make those gun references. Did you notice that the gun club emblem is the original Undisputed Era emblem upside down? I was trying to figure out what's going on with that. So that's what that was? Well, I don't know if that's what they intended, but that's definitely what it is. And I thought, well, that's kind of silly. And then I was on his Instagram later, and I was just scrolling because I just ne- I just started following him be- that day. Mm-hmm. And he has a tattoo of it right here under, like, his arm, like, where some people get those, like, where they get, like, lyrics and crap put there. His or ribs, yeah. I saw that. And... um. He on his story he tagged his brother and I don't remember if his brother is in wrestling, but he sometimes has been at the AEW shows. And his like one of his first pictures, he has the exact same freaking tattoo. I was like, you all got like this thing and you totally ripped it off from the undisputed era. Oh, I hope that's not the case. Although I'll, I do I I'll do get, understand that they all got the same tattoo. <laughs> They're I'll, family. I'll find the comparison. Hold on a second. Okay. It was on his trunks, too. Yeah. I thought that it was, like, mountains, and I'm like, what does mountains have to do with gun club? But I don't know what they do in their free time. So, yeah. um, Okay, don't just Google gun club logo, because you get some crazy people. Well, there's a lot of gun clubs throughout the U.S., I'm pretty sure. We have a gun obsession, if you will. But, um... I will say there was a distinct lack of Cody in this match. And I think, I guess that's the point. Like he didn't really need to be doing much because his part comes afterwards, but it it was surprisingly a lot of the gun club versus Cody in this match. Yep. <laughs> How did you feel about that? Um, I, like I said, I kind of liked getting to see more of um, Austin Gunn because I haven't seen him. And, I don't know. The pairing with Cody felt weird anyway. So, well, yeah, I, I mean, they're the nightmare club or they're in the nightmare family now or whatever. So I guess that's what it is. But uh, how did you feel about the Dark Order side of this? Um, I had not seen this combination before. So that was interesting. Um, I think I've only seen 10 wrestle once. And that was when they were in that shack in Georgia for like six straight weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't seen a lot of Silver except for when he's doing comedy stuff and getting beat up by um, Mr. Brody Lee. Yeah. Who was the third person? I forget already. Colt. Oh, Colt. Oh, well, Colt's just always like the third man, it feels like, in all these things on when they're on TV. Um, so I... I didn't really have any opinions on my figure that like, they're they're gonna lose or setting up Cody <laughs> winning or whatever. Yeah. But the Austin Gunn won. That was the most surprising part, as you pointed out earlier. Yeah. Um yeah, I think John Silver is getting a push because he's uh really put himself out there on BT and, and gotten some love. Um Cole Cabana. Hey, you can get over, man. Do it. Oh, yeah, I don't fault him at all. I, I like John Silver a lot. Cole Cabana, um, I think it's kind of weird that, like, this is a weird group of the Dark Order, a weird 
yeah, like they don't hang out, <laughs> these guys. Although I do think that John Silver and Cole Cabana got along really well and are maybe like little comedy buds because they're both really goofy and weird. And Colt seemed to be taking John under his wing a little bit, which I guess is kind of the default position because John Silver is very petite and Colt is very large. So he's already under the wing, okay, positionally so speaking. I just sent you both the Gun Club logo and the current Undisputed Era logo. Now, if you recall, for those people who don't watch NXT, um, when Roderick Strong joined the Undisputed Era, they added that bottom triangle. So the original era, uh, the original logo was just these first three on the top. So it's like almost the same. Just the triangles are inverted. They're connected a little slightly different, but... I see it. That is, um... That's weird. Yeah, I'm not sure why they chose this. Especially there being a much more popular faction on the other show. Using the exact same thing. (laughs) Yeah, very weird. Very weird. Uh, But, I guess, like, if it's tattooed on all of them, you kind of have to commit. I guess so. so it's when they got it. That's the sad thing. Like, did you get this before you knew Undisputed Era had it? Or did you get it and just don't care? Maybe Undisputed Era stole it from them and flipped it over. Well, we'd have to go back three years, four years to find out. <laughs> I'm just not willing to do that, Jason. <laughs> I need to find... Someone find me shirtless pictures of all the gun boys. Wow, now you just sound like me. <laughs> uh, it's for science, Megan. <laughs> Somebody find me shirtless pictures of all the wrestlers. <laughs> it actually shouldn't be that hard. The wrestlers. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, shout out to Billy Gunn, who is keeping it tight at what, like mid-50s? 55, the- I think is what we think it is. Yeah, I'm sure that there is some level of maybe steroid usage there, but good job for him. He's looking okay. Oh, you can't see it. He's Siri says he's 56. Okay. Well, that's um, a lot. So, Andy and I were talking about this last night, right? And we we're thinking, well, he has to be on steroids. And then I recalled the reason he was fired from WWE was he failed a steroids test. So, the body does not naturally look like that, no matter how hard you work out if you are no. that old. I, I just, I'm, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah, whatever. It's, I, I wouldn't go touting an AEW steroid policy uh, with Billy Gunn on the roster, though. Nope. Dude, swole. By the way, Andy, I asked Siri, and she confirmed that Billy Gunn is 56. Yeah. Okay. And I see that, uh, yes, the Gun Club logo and the Undisputed Era logo are fairly similar. Yeah. Yeah, very, very similar. <laughs> They're just inverted, basically. We were debating whether or not the boys in the gun club got their family tattoo of that logo before Undisputed Era existed. And I said, we need to track down uh, shirtless photos of all the, the of Billy Gunn's kids uh, prior to 2017 to verify. What a fucking creep you are. <laughs> <laughs> Megan thought it was fine. So Leave those kids alone. Don't just, don't lump me into this. They're adults. I said track down shirtless pictures of wrestlers like twist my arm, but you know, <laughs> that's still creepy. I'm a creep. I'm a winner. <laughs> yeah. So do you have any thoughts on the content of the match itself? 
Not really. He was just a six man. The only thing I was thinking about during this match was the thing I often think about when you've got a guy like John Silver out there who has become a star in, on BTE in the no crowd era. And I just think like, how over is he really? Like, would he would he be like the new cult hero if there were fans, if they were like if, if they were in front of like 5000 fans touring around the country every week? Would he be like this big thing ready to explode? And I don't I just don't know the answer. I think he has the skill set and what he needs to do to get himself over. Like, I think if given the chance, he would be good at it. I think that's I probably right, but I, it's it's hard to say. It's just, I guess, hopefully hopefully a year from now, we'll be back to business as usual, and uh, these things won't be theoretical. They claim they're going to have 1,000 people in Daly's place on Saturday, so th- I think mm-hmm. we'll get some noise then. That's that's interesting. Um, yeah, I heard that too, and it's just like, okay, but weren't you selling? I guess they were saying they were at 15% capacity when they first started doing Dynamites with Crowds, right? Yes. Yeah, and that was okay. like seven fifty. Okay, so I guess that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Well, I hope they're I hope they're loud. I thought this was one of the better live crowds, like as far as sounds sounding uh, crowds that they've had. Yeah. Um, when I when I watch someone's fan cam video of the post show stuff where Cody announced he had his name back, um, they were pretty loud. So I think the audience itself is loud. They're so far away from the microphones. Yeah. yeah. Well, it should sound a little bit better with a thousand people in there. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, after the match, the Dark Order surrounded the ring because obviously they were going to do that. And John Silver kind of breaks away from them, grabs a chair and starts to try to sneak up on Cody. But Orange Cassidy stops him. And then Cody gets on the mic and cuts a promo against Darby, who is up in the cheap seats watching Cody says that you know Darby is telling everyone that TNT doesn't want him as the face of the network but that's a lie and Cody doesn't really like stories that aren't true so he just wants to clarify that TNT would be super- the big nonfiction guy yeah he loves history <laughs> he's he's like TNT would be happy to have you as the face of the company it's just that you're not you're not there. You're not the ace, is what he says. Um, and he does point out that he was the one who recruited Darby and convinced the, EV- the other EVPs to accept him by having a match with him and showing what he could do. So Cody is portraying himself as a big Darby supporter, but ultimately Darby's not the ace. Cody is, so he's gonna he's planning on retaining that TNT championship on Saturday. Yeah. I thought overall, um, this was a show that, like, this was a go home show that did what you want to go home to a show to do. There were there were good matches, but nothing like blow away. And every single match on the pay per view got a little bit of attention, and you know, and and nothing. I don't think anything detracted from the pay per view. Mm-hmm. There was nothing that made me want to see a match less. Agreed. Yeah. I wish the women's match was built up better. Me too. <laughs> like um, I'm. I think more excited to see the NWA match between Serena Deeb and uh, I don't even remember who the sec- who her opponent is, but the pre-show NWA Women's Championship match. Allison K, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
former NWA Women's Champion, in fact. Oh, okay. Yeah. But uh, well, yeah. So let's let's talk about uh, about that because we all did uh, predictions, and and uh, we all picked Serena Deeb, uh, Jenny included, for that for that uh, uh, buy-in match, and I. I don't know anything about Allison Kay. I've heard the name. It's like one of those names that you read on the, mm-hmm. on, like, on the she, internet. She was in the Mae Young Classic the second time. Was she? Yeah. See, she, I don't even remember that. She couldn't use that name, but as soon as she, oh. she went back to, I think she went back to, I want to say Impact. That's where she came from. Mm-hmm. Or no, she might have gone straight to the NWA from Mae Young. If she's in NWA, is is there a chance she could like? I guess my thought process was Serena Deeb just got it. Why would she lose it? But if there's another person from the NWA facing her, does that tip it at all? I don't know. Um, like, she's actually she's actually a free agent now. She actually oh, announced okay. that this week, so she might be. Who knows? She might be uh, all elite before uh, too long. Anyway. <laughs> okay. But um, yeah, I, I, like so. I don't. I don't really have any expectations of this match. But I've I've enjoyed everything I've seen Serena Deeb do in AEW so far. Yeah, she's awesome. I'm really glad they signed her. Yeah, very much so. Um, Jason, do you have any thoughts beyond that on that match? No, I I think Deeb's gonna win and it'll it'll be good. I was looking to see what name she used in the Mae Young Classic, but for whatever this fandom website doesn't have it listed. Does he yeah, have? I was, done it. I was looking at that too. I couldn't. It just says Allison K, but I, I bet you're right. I bet she used a different name, um, or maybe she did use Allison K because her impact name was Sienna. Oh, then yes, maybe it was Allison K. So she was one of those who probably would have had to change her name had she gotten signed, but you know she didn't, so <laughs> didn't matter. Yeah. Uh, we all picked Orange Cassidy over John Silver. Uh, in the match that was on the buy-in, and then they moved it uh, to the main show, which is good. I think that's great for John Silver. Um, yeah. I think this is obviously just kind of a bit of a rehab win for Orange and to get him some momentum again, and it doesn't really matter. To... John Silver can lose a million matches at this point, and he's going to be fine um, until they decide they want to do something serious with him. But, um, yeah, so I, I don't know. Like, I, we're We're all picking Orange. I don't think there's... I don't think there's a lot of drama in that, but it should be a fun match. He needs yeah. to rehab. Yeah. Uh, we all picked Takara Shida over Nyla Rose, although I really do think that one could go either way. Um, I don't know how you guys feel about it, but I just, I think it's one of those where even though we all four picked it, I think it's like, I think that's like a 60-40 <laughs> kind, of, kind of proposition. Uh, my take on this was, they didn't put much build into it and Nyla's already had it and they have way more people that can work a good match now with um, uh, uh, Sheeta before it, they take the belt off of her. So I think it, they're going to hold out on that. Yeah, I think I was kind of in the same place. It feels like Nyla just got called up because there's nobody else. I don't know at this point to have a match with Sheeta and it's a pay-per-view. So Sheeta has to defend her title against someone, but right. yeah, I don't see her 
losing it to Nyla. But I mean, I do also think like when I was thinking about this match, it was kind of like, how do I do the wrestle math on this? Because there's nothing leading up to it. And I don't know what they're trying to do with this storyline. Yeah. Generous to call it a storyline, in fact. Uh, yeah, it felt weird saying it. Uh, here's one with some dissent. We've got uh, the Elite Deletion match. Sammy Guevara versus Matt Hardy. Uh, this one is split across gender lines. As uh, <laughs> Jason and I picked Sammy. And Jenny and Megan picked Matt Hardy. I, yeah. My thinking on this, as far as my pick, is that Matt won the last big match. And and Sammy, like, this has to be the end of it. <laughs> because I can't, like, you've got to stop doing matches, you two. <laughs> so I just figure, like, what's the value in 45-year-old Matt Hardy winning this feud? over 27-year-old Sammy Guevara who's about to turn babyface and be, like, like a big star. Um, I had the exact same thing, Andy. Yeah. So, I thought, I think I agree with your logic, but my thought was, like, Matt Hardy has to win because he won't give up. He won't stop pursuing it. And Sammy Guevara, as the young guy, is more likely to be, like, fine, and just move on with his life. So, I thought let Matt Hardy win we can close out this chapter. He won't be in pursuit of this anymore. And Sammy obviously has a shorter attention span and can just move on to other things more easily. You say that, but Matt was waiting, was ready to move on anyway. After last match, Sammy is the one who brought it back with all the threats and the videos and whatever. So in storyline, it's the exact opposite of what you're portraying. I guess that's true. The, the the one thing I could, the one argument I could make for Sammy losing this match is that if he is turning babyface, you do kind of get a refresh with that. So it mm-hmm. wouldn't it would hurt him less than usual to lose this match. I, I'm kind of stuck on I guess the fifty fifty of the aspect. Like Matt Hardy already won the big match on pay per view, but it, it sucked. Yeah, well, <laughs> it was so bad. That's not his fault. Oh, no, I'm not blaming him at all. I just think if they wanted him to go out on top, like, that match ain't it. And so maybe this is the way to but to like just, also, like, do it. Also, if you wanted to, if the end goal was for Matt Hardy to be on top and start something else, they had the perfect opportunity to do that by keeping him off two weeks or whatever it was for his injury and then cut that babyface promo of, like, I'm okay, and I just want to thank all these wrestling fans or whatever. That's where you could just build from because people were just happy that he was alive. So my guess is the end goal for this is Sammy getting put over, and they haven't done that part yet, hence why we're coming back to it. It's true. All right. Well, me and Jenny, fingers crossed, the ladies get this one. Uh, Next up, all four of us went with MJF over Chris Jericho because it's one of those stipulations where it's like, well, what's the point of doing it if you're not going to follow Do through it. with the angle? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, like, there's no, there's nothing on the other side at stake if, if MJF loses. You know, it's just he can't join the inner circle, which is already status quo. Yeah. We've not progressed anything at that point. Yeah, it's like for something to happen, he has to join the inner circle. And to do that, he has to beat Chris Jericho. Therefore, we all picked him to beat Chris Jericho. Yep. What if they do something stupid where Jericho just like decides he likes 
to the guy and gets counted out. Oh, like he's just like, I'm going to, okay, I could, yeah, they don't, they haven't really done much of that kind of bullshit finish before, but I mean, there's always a first time. I mean, when you have two heels, that's the perfect time to do it. I mean, yeah, you're going to get heat. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Especially from that audience. I just, I, I, what I think is going to happen is MJF's going to cheat to win and then he's in the inner circle and then, but Jericho's just like really resentful. Yeah. I, now, I, now I don't know why he couldn't just kick him out of the inner circle at that point, but yeah, you know. <laughs> like, I don't understand. Like I, this is so convoluted and I can't stand it. I do like Jason's angle because then too, like if Jericho makes the, dis- he can always say like, I decided to let you in and hold that over MJF's head and also like that could piss off Sammy and Ortiz even further because they are so adamantly against MJF that like Jericho is basically overriding a group to say yeah I think this guy's more important than the opinions of you two who have been with me the whole time so I like that there's like layered approaches you could take with this one um but like you said what's the point in the stipulation if MJF doesn't ultimately get in (laughs) right yeah yeah it's like he has to win uh, next up, all four of us picked Darby Allen to uh, win and presumably unseat uh, Cody as the TNT champion. Uh, Jason, do you want to give kind of the like the overview of the conversation you and I had about this last week? Um, I basically said that I think Darby has lost to Cody too many times. Um. And the only thing he has going for him is that draw, which started the whole thing. And I really feel like the draw should have been the last match they had. So then you could at least say that he's improved and therefore could take the belt off of Cody. Now, they did the draw with Orange Cassidy, which kind of like negates this uh, the idea. But, like... Cody just keeps beating this guy. And I feel like it's becoming like Triple H and Chris Benoit or something. Like, just it's just like, you got to give the guy his spot eventually. Like, if you're trying to make a guy and push a guy, you got to actually make the guy and push the guy. It's the same thing that WWE never can understand when creating a baby face. It's like, everyone's not Daniel Bryan. that You can, like, have them lose a million times and still maintain that aura of... Um, a true underdog baby face. Plus, they're doing these stupid skits where Darby's like throwing himself down skateboard ramps in a body bag and jumping. Correction, not there. Darby is doing the skits. Darby is fully in charge of his video production. Just want okay, to point that out. Megan, who owns the company? Tony Khan, but also we've discussed what goes on the air. We've discussed in the past how Darby must do this wild shit and then be like. Is this cool? After he's done it. Yeah, but my point is they are putting this out there as a promotional piece for this character. And excuse me, but it makes him look like a dumbass. I mean, it does, but there is that aspect of it where he, you know, it's like Tony Khan gets a tape. Like, why did I say a tape? It's not, it's not 1998. I want to picture him receiving a VHS tape in an envelope in the mail. (laughs) He gets, he, he gets, you know, a video in his Dropbox and it's like it's like Darby jumping off a volcano, and it's like, well, I mean, I hate that he did it, but I'm not gonna not show it because he jumped off a volcano. 
Yeah, is this all for nothing? Okay, okay. But if this guy was out on TV winning all the time and then doing crazy shit, I'd be like, that guy's cool. This guy loses or gets beat up all the time. And in his free time, he's just like, I'm just going to go kill myself. But he's got a demographic that is very much like like the alternative skater boy. Okay, but you are catering to a national audience. I'm just saying that part of that national audience haven't had this person before. Not authentically this person. And I think Darby does cater to a certain group of people and that those people watch AEW. So... I'm just saying, if you're trying to grow your audience and build this character, eventually you have to pull the trigger on this guy because what you're currently doing is not necessarily no, helpful. You you absolutely do, and Jason and and like this was this was my point when we were talking about it was like I will agree with you if Darby loses this match on Saturday, mm-hmm. but I think it's fine as long as he wins because you know I I think. It's been the feud with Cody has been more devastating in your memory than it actually was because what he has is a draw and two losses, and this is the fourth match. So, I I think it's fine as long as he wins, and and if he doesn't, then you're totally right. Well, yeah. we should see because I don't exactly have confidence. I picked Derby for that reason. I think that he's had to lose in big matches too many times, and that if they want to keep him viable, they will. They have to give him something eventually. And it's like Cody just came back and won the TNT championship. So I don't think if you can switch it that quickly off Mr. Brody Lee, then you can give it to Darby. You can let him yeah. have it. The, and the nature of that title is like it's defended so often. I think you can do pretty frequent title changes and it doesn't matter. Yeah. I guess my fear is in the back of my head that even though I defended Cody earlier saying that like he's he doesn't want to appear to be like Triple H was in the early 2000s. Somewhat, I feel like he is like Triple H, like in the early 2000s, because he has the over-the-top entrance. He does like all. He he was the only member of the elite not to go on a losing streak and all this stuff. And so I feel like I don't know how much say he puts into it. You know what I'm saying? And I'm just like, it worries me that maybe he's putting too much stock in himself instead of putting more stock in Darby. Well, I think Saturday he's about to put a lot of stock in Darby. Well, I hope so. And so do you, judging by your pick. Uh, it's yep. I picked what I want, not what I feel would happen. With your heart, not your head. I've been there, Jason. I know. I knew you would appreciate that, Megan. I okay. Do. Uh, tag team title match. Uh, Bucks versus FTR. Uh, myself, Jenny, and Jason all picked the Young Bucks. Megan was the lone descent with FTR. And uh, what's what is your thinking, uh, Megan? Do you want to? I, I know we got into it a little bit earlier, but do you want to just kind of um, elaborate? Yeah. And why do you hate the Young Bucks? I don't hate the Young Bucks. <laughs> <laughs> I love the Young Bucks, but the thing is, I I don't know. Like, I just felt in my heart that like FTR just got this. They've just started coming into their own, and I think they can do a lot more with it. And especially learning that Matt is hurt. I just don't see the point of making the switch. I think it's stupid they had that, that stipulation. I think it's weird, but it's also wrestling. And as I said before, much like death in comics, this sort of stipulation in wrestling can be gotten around. There are loopholes. There are ways to, to do it anyway. So I think you can keep the tag t- like titles on FTR and still be fine. The Young Bucks are fine. They're going to 
They're awesome. They're gonna be fine. Bullet like, Club is fine. Yeah, Bullet Club is fine. <laughs> um, they're, they're gonna lose, but then come back as the twin Mister Americas. Yeah, something like that. They'll do something stupid to eventually down the line challenge for this. Jericho kept harping on commentary about how Cody kept his promise. He's never challenged for that AEW world championship and how the Young Bucks would do the same. So that makes me feel like he'll probably find a way around it. That made me feel feel exactly the opposite. Yeah, they hammered it home too much. Yeah. I'm not worried. And it seems like they they take the stipulation thing like pretty seriously. They do, but how much more drama could you create if you made that stipulation? You could have brother on brother fighting. That breaks them up. Nick goes on a run. You don't need to put the titles on a team that then immediately has to give them up and there's a tournament for it when you've got a hot heel tag team that currently holds them and are pissing everybody off. I think they they've got more hot, to give. Though? Yeah, are they that hot? I think they've I... got more to give. I'd actually say they came in quite lukewarm, actually. We'll it's see. rough to debut during a pandemic, but I don't think they've got I don't think they've improved their position that much. They're I feel not, like I feel like this feud is happening. I feel like this feud is happening because like they just decided like, well, obviously this is what has to happen. I just I don't think it's the time for it. I think they just yeah. decided it was happening. They felt like people are gonna give us crap if we don't do this. I I guess I'm going out on a limb. I'm doing I guess going against the odds. I don't know what the Vegas odds are on this particular okay. show, but I'm saying FDR. Um, I would also argue that so many people rag on WWE for breaking up tag teams left and right that there's no way in year two of Dynamite they're breaking up the Young Bucks. Oh, I don't think they'll ever break them up ever. I think. That- I think that if they lost and Matt was injured, there could be... You guys talked about how they could have an angle where they fight and temporarily break up. That's all I'm saying. But if you lost a match and you uphold the stipulation, you can't break up and then come back together and be like, oh, we're Young Bucks 2.0. They're not going to do that. Well, that, that wasn't what I was suggesting. I just feel like if if Matt is hurt to the point where he definitely has to rehab... And in any reality, we end up where Nick gets a singles run while Matt rehabs. If FTR keep the titles, I think that's a better story than giving them to the Young Bucks who immediately have to be like, well, Matt's hurt. So we give them up for a tournament where who's going to win them? I have an idea, Andy. It's a WCW callback. Okay. Why don't we instead do Nick? Jackson in Penta El Ciro M. And then when Phoenix and Matt get healthy, they'll come back as Matt Jackson and Ray Phoenix and then they'll fight. It'll be like um, the natural born thrillers, whatever their thing Phoenix. was. Well, Phoenix is apparently healthy enough to have a match against his brother on the next Dynamite. Well, then screw that then. This that is what I'm thinking. Here's, here's what I'm thinking. So you know how Matt is like obviously like the more business savvy one of the of the two. Yeah, um, I think Mrs. Matt is the business savvy one. Well, sure, yeah. So I think what when the Young Bucks break up, it's going to come out that like Dana Massey, Mrs. Matt, had like secured the uh, copyrights and trademarks to the Young Bucks name for Matt, and so Nick has to like you know change up his gear and his gimmick. And meanwhile. <laughs> Meanwhile, Matt just like 
like brings in a uh, brings in Jungle Boy to replace Nick as as the the new oh young bucks. He's Jack, <laughs> he's Jack Jackson. He's Jack Jackson. That's right. JJ. Okay, let's see. I uh, love Harlem Heat angle at the time. Yeah. You know what's funny when you said when Jason when you said like it's a WCW throwback I thought you were like I, I thought you were about to say that and I was like oh he's taking my <laughs> the thing I was about to say you know, I thought, I'm talking about um, Sean O'Hare and Chuck Palumbo swapping partners right yeah yeah okay uh, next up we got the finals of the TNT uh, no not TNT of the World Championship Eliminator Tournament mm-hmm. hopefully that's the I guess the next to last time I have to say those words. Um, <laughs> Uh, W-C-E-T. Myself and my wife picked Kenneth Omega, while Jason and Megan picked Hangman. I can't believe Jenny turned her back on her boy. She she just wants to win, you know. I know, she wants that champagne. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, um, I I guess my thought is just that Kenny's kind of a heel, and that'll make for a good dynamic with with Moxley for the next big title program. That's that's really all the thought I put into it. Megan, I have a long-term story, so why don't you go next? <laughs> okay. Um, I thought that with the interviews tonight where Kenny was so confident and that he was going to win and then Adam broke down and was like, yes, I am nervous. I thought that, okay, so <laughs> if you recognize your weaknesses, you're going to get better. And I just want Adam to win because he has put in the work as Tony pointed out, won that tournament, has been wrestling as a singles person, whereas Kenny has just been on commentary for all of Adam's matches and talked about wrestling as a singles guy. So I I just want, I think Adam should win. I think he should win, and then he'll feel sad because he loves Kenny still. And he'll be like, oh, Kenny, I'm so glad I had this opportunity. I love you. <laughs> and, this is my fanfic. Um, I don't know. I just feel like if Kenny wins, he's going to be a dick to Adam and it's going to suck. And uh, ultimately, I thought that it, Kenny's going to get the championship, but it's too soon at full, like at right after full year, basically. So I think if you give Adam the chance, he fails, and then you can bring Kenny in later. All right, Jason, what's your crazy storyline? Okay, so... And Adam, then they kiss. Adam, <laughs> Adam Page is going to win this match. And Kenny is going to feel frustrated at first. And then he's going to tell everyone, well, you know I taught him everything he knows. And he picked up all this stuff from being a, my tag team partner. And, you know, I'm proud of him. I'm, I'm proud of him. And But he's going to tell people, you know, he lost to Chris Jericho in the, in the first ever AEW title match. I don't know if he can... If he can do it, I don't know if he can do it. I don't know if he can do it. He's gonna, you know, do commentary in his matches and sow doubt and all this stuff or whatever. And then Adam Page is going to beat John Moxley for the AEW Championship, proving his growth from year one of the company and finally achieving the dream or whatever. And Kenny Omega is going to lose his shit, and he's gonna be like, "I'm the number one pro wrestler in the world. My former tag team partner." Is who's a, wants to be a tag team guy and not a singles guy is not winning the title before me. And he's going to be furious 
that Adam Page won the title before he had a chance to win the title. And then they are going to feud for months and it's going to be glorious. So you like, so basically, so what, when does that climax then like it all out 2021 or something like that? Yeah. Um, I'm bad about remembering when AEW pay-per-views take place. Um, cause they're not in September. They're, they're all not ingrained in my head yet. So I, if you do the title match for Adam Page at, Revolution. That's in February. If it holds true to last year, yeah, or this year. Okay. Probably. So then you got to build to Omega. So you have to have Omega snap at him and then earn the shot somehow, and then build to the match. So double or nothing feels too soon. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, I would say all out. I feel okay. like I feel like that could be your big money program for the year. Because they have the longest story to tell. Yeah. And the best video package with the best song. I can't wait for the next Metal Ballad to describe all this. Yeah. I like that storyline, Jason. I'm I'm long-term booking. Yeah. Uh, Megan, did you have anything else you wanted to say about that particular match? No, I just, I love Adam and I hope he wins. Okay, and... In the anticlimax of this segment, uh, we all four picked John Moxley <laughs> to not say I quit and lose the AEW World Championship. I even put I, in parentheses, duh, next to my pick. <laughs> I I do think that they have done, like, they've done a hell of a job with this build, though, because, like, realistically... It's been three weeks, right? Like It's been, like, three weeks, and it's coming off of Eddie Kingston, like, losing clean to John Moxley in their last match. Yeah. No, Andy, he didn't tap. That's a oh, clean that's true. win. That's he a clean have. win, though. That's he a clean didn't get win. eliminated from the casino, casino battle, battle royal. Win. Yeah, that's but true, too. A dirty win is interference or shenanigans. So he did win clean. Eddie Kingston has also been prodding Lance Archer, so I feel like if he loses, Lance will be right there to try and kill him. I think that's got to be the next, like, Kingston. I think we talked about that last week, how that makes sense yeah. to do as the next program. So yeah, maybe Pac can come in inside with Lance Archer. Oh my God, let's get Pac back over here before he completely loses his mind. I think England's like entering lockdown again, so that might be hard, right? <laughs> maybe he's trying to get out before it starts. I think it starts this weekend. Maybe he's already out. Maybe he's like secreted away in Jacksonville, waiting for it to, oh, to make an impact. I follow yeah. a bunch of athletes from the Olympics on Instagram who live in. Great Britain, and they were all complaining about getting ready to start lockdown. They were all getting their haircuts this week. Sure, isn't it Germany and France too? Aren't they like specifically? Yeah. Okay, well, basically Western Europe's like going like, oh shit, now it's flu season. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and we're just partying out well, here in America. <laughs> one of my coworkers pointed out that like you know we were like I don't know four to eight weeks behind England in terms of the severity of it starting here. So like before our first lockdown in in um march so like by thanksgiving we might we might be in lockdown again too i'm never leaving my house yeah that's just the moral of the story i had plans to leave my house to buy an xbox but then that got foiled have it shipped well i was afraid i wouldn't get it shipped. (laughs) that was the backup plan megan was to go out into public yeah gross all right. Well, uh, we have we have previewed this pay per view, and uh, on Sunday, uh, 
Megan and uh, Jenny and I will be back to review this pay-per-view. Um, assuming my wife isn't dead from work. She should we'll have be. mimosas and uh, is it thorns and roses and thorns? Roses and thorns. Okay. Yeah. I like Amanda, our friend of the podcast, Amanda's naming of our segments. I like that format. For sure. All right, everybody. Uh, Jason, thank you for joining us. I really appreciate the pinch hit. Welcome. Very, very welcome. And uh, we will uh, talk to you soon for Jason and for Megan. I'm Andy. And thanks for listening to The Elite Beat. E, Elite Beat. E, E, Elite Beat.